Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing? Movie. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or blurry of margin call. Press play, press pause when the Myriad Pictures title card fades to black. Well, clicks to black. At the first frame, you perceive the ball black. Press pause. And the second will say 3, 2, 1, unpause. At which point, I'll press play. You'll press play. We'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary except for four friends in your head talking about finance in the morning on a weekend. Myself <laughs> on Easter as, Sunday. On Easter. Myself as always, Teague Christie, my friend Brian, William Finifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman, Scott. I know if Jesus was down with anything. It was it was finance. <laughs> yeah. Financial crisis. Jesus would have a say, something to say about this. <laughs> Randy Amazing Stokes. I am risen. And this is our third curated movie. This one's from Brian. Brian, you want to start Hello. us off? Uh, yes. Why margin call? So uh, I've had a lot of work, uh, a lot of time at work lately to listen to podcasts, and I've been listening to this uh, great podcast that NPR puts out called Planet Money, uh, which I... I've been listening to a lot of NPR stuff online lately. NPR has a lot of great blogs, like, like not even just their shows, you know, their radio stuff, but their blogs are really good as well, uh, or their podcasts, rather. Um, yeah, man. Radio Lab, This American Life, Radio. Moth. Awesome. You said you hated This American Life. I used to. I came around on it. No, he meant Good. the actual American Life. No, I, I hate oh, my oh, American yeah, yeah, Life. Yeah. I, this particular one. This, this is what I, his own <laughs> American Life. <laughs> yeah, this, this American Life. <laughs> and we'll get into the macroeconomic forces that are generating that life <laughs> in a moment. Uh, yeah, so I was listening to this podcast, I'm, uh, Planet Money, and I listened to a whole backlog of them and still had shit time to listen to things. So I decided, you know what, I'll go back to the be- absolute beginning of the show and listen from the very beginning. Uh, which happened to be their first episode the day that Fannie and Freddie Mac collapsed in the fall of 2008. So basically the six, first six months of this podcast are them describing and explaining and themselves figuring out the financial crisis as it's happening in real time. Oh. And it's great. Like before, I, I couldn't have told you what the fuck was going on, what happened, or what the actual moving pieces were. Uh, and now I feel like I could, and I would like to give that a shot, and I think Margin Call is a great vehicle to do it. And uh, I think absolutely it's just what i happen to be obsessed with at the moment so you're all subjected to it sorry but i do also think it's uh it's important uh and it's i feel like our curated choices say a lot about us because trey picks like a great classic movie i pick a shitty 90s rom-com that should be a musical you pick a movie that's all like nah this is how the banking system fucked up this one is it's like all right everybody we got some homework yeah yeah yeah. but it's okay let me trip you to the conspiracy that's ruling your lives watch mike's be like a chris evan workout video Do they have those? <laughs> Wait, this is serious. New idea. Seriously, do they have those? Talk about this American life. So, uh, so yeah. So the 2008 financial crisis and the things that led up to it and things that happened after it, more than 9/11, in my opinion, are the defining events, uh, defining forces that will shape our generation. Uh, well, also uh, that Guns and N' Roses album came out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Democracy Miley, in China. Right? Yeah. So uh, it's it's something we should talk. It's something that you probably don't know how it works. I certainly didn't know how it really worked, uh, but we're going to no. change I, that. I saw the movie and I'm like, I don't understand half of what the hell they're talking and, and about I here. S- I saw this movie, you know, around, <laughs> when, it, around yeah. when it came out and, you know, didn't. It was, I, I it was techno babble inside of it. It's yeah. like, OK, it's techno babble, but I understand the people doing things. And I rewatched it yeah. in preparation for this. I was like, oh, I actually understand the techno babble yeah. now. That's cool. So I, I love I love all the scenes where they're like, okay, dumb it down. Just explain to me yeah. like I'm a normal person. Failure. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Not at all. Dumb, uh, dumb it down more. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I don't this is a what are you doing movie. Every yeah. week on our show, we do commentaries for movies. This week mm. on our show, <laughs> margin call. We've arrived at panelist three in our program. <laughs> panelist three, Michael Dorkman Scott. 
Yes. See, I did a This American Life trip. There was a whole NPR thing. You have, to, you have to pause more. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You said that way too fast. I know, man. Is is Margin Call, was it originally a play? It feels like it It was feels a like play. a little like... I don't, like, it's, I don't so. think so, no, though. It's okay. an original screenplay. Yeah. It feels it like, it, it it feels like something that would be like a one act. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just... I mean, it's a series. It's like of, a closed door drama. Yeah, it's a series of meetings. You could do. Like, you could do this movie it's like on a stage. Twelve Angry Stockbrokers. Actually, yeah. <laughs> if you replace the windows with Coruscant, it basically just becomes Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it's all about meetings. I was. I was actually thinking. I was like, could you? So this is basically what George Lucas was like trying. To That's do. what he was going for. Yeah. <laughs> he was going. He just for had to put explosions in his. A, a thriller about uh, a thriller about meetings, which which Margin yeah. Call manages to yeah. do, which in and Star Wars doesn't. But I did think about that because you know, there's the the Star Wars spinoffs and stuff. I'm like, could you do a Star Wars Margin Call? <laughs> Star Wars Margin. Oh call. yeah, you totally. Could. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stargen Wars yeah. about the about the the destabilization of the galactic currency, yeah. by the destruction <laughs> of the Death Star, and the fall of the Empire. There is there is a, a Star Trek novel that I'm pretty sure it was written for me and only me <laughs> called Articles of the Federation, which is just about well, I think I think Federation of, politics. I think all of us have have one now. Have yeah. at least one Star Trek novel for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I think enough. just just going by the latest um, census. But uh, I, I hadn't seen it before until it was uh, suggested that we check it out. Uh, I thought it was till you were forced to. <laughs> yes, yeah. I thought it was That's a very like the whole point of curated movies. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> exactly. Watch this. Uh, I thought it was well done. The performances are great. Um, I understood maybe if I'm if I'm uh, uh, flattering myself seventy five percent of what's going on in this movie. Uh, but I was I was engaged the whole time, even though I didn't know what the hell they were talking about for parts of it. Um, I got I got just enough to be like, okay, clearly bad. All of them are very upset. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Something, <laughs> everything that's clearly, happening is bad. Something clearly bad is happening right now. So, um, but I'm looking I am looking forward to uh, to talking about it and delving deeper and and understanding not just the movie but the the context that it was uh, made in and for so yeah i'm looking forward to this i skipped myself i need to go sorry um <laughs> yeah. i hadn't seen this either i watched it for the first time last night but i did a little bit of prep beforehand so i watched uh, the documentary inside job which Ooh, is about okay. the sort of global financial crisis and how this participated in it and then i listened to the this american life episode giant pool of money uh, which, which is, is about this which is the basically the the podcast i was mentioning it's all those same people producing that episode it's like that episode of this american life is the world of film scores and then Planet Money is uncomposed. Like that episode of American Life spun off a, a whole different show. Mm. So I, when I watched this, I actually had a, a like layman's understanding of it the whole time and I felt like I was in on it. So that was cool. And I've it, this movie does a really great job of building tension in the first third uh, where you can really feel this dread of, oh my God, we're on the Titanic. This is awful. Uh, and then towards the end of it, I while it's paying off everything it sets up, I was not feeling anywhere near the sort of tension uh, at the end of the movie as I was at the beginning, just in terms of film grammar and what it was making me feel. Uh, obviously, the the implications of what's going on in the third act are like, oh, yep, that's really, really huge too. But something about the filmmaking of it didn't give me that same weight that I had at the beginning when Zachary Quinto was getting his oh shit face on. Uh, and people, more and more people are coming in to talk about like, all right, well, what does this mean? Are you serious? No, seriously, bro? Um, and the other thing is, this is a really taut, like, high-stakes West Wing musical chairs episode, and it's awesome. Uh, and it's all meetings and people talking smart at each other and all the actors in the world are in it. And that's sort of the movie, except for when there's this incredibly ham-fisted, symbolic thing with the dog going on. 
where like Kevin Spacey has been just trying to keep the dog alive and the dog's about to die. And then at the end of the movie, he buries the dog because the dog is the economy, you guys. <laughs> yeah. And then over the credits, it's just silence with it's the sound like, of a grave being done. I didn't read it like that at all. I, I didn't totally read it. Read it. I, I, really? I, I kind of yeah. read it like that. Yeah, that's. Uh, okay. I, I, I read it. I read it a different way. Um, but other than that, I, I had a good time with it. I, it kind of falls in that contagion zone for me, where it's like, yeah, this is this seems about right. Yeah, that that looks accurate, but it didn't move me that much. But it's a lot of fun to watch, and it's interesting to watch Kevin Spacey dressed up more or less like he dresses up in House of Cards. <laughs> it was and being so weird. So sweet. It was so weird to not hear him talking with a southern accent. Yeah. I'm so used to that on House of Cards. Well, like, I suppose we're going to have to tank the economy. <laughs> when a dog needs to be put down. Yeah. That, anyway. that was, was like, wait, which, in the, which one does he act actually kill the dog? I forget. The no, no, that was House of Cards. That was House of Cards. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. This one, he's sad about the dog. So right. I liked which one's Margin- he sad and which one is he just ruthless? <laughs> so. I liked Margin Call. Uh, I don't feel the particular need to go back to it after this, but I'm glad someone made it. And I'm interested because if you read, I was reading about it after the fact and apparently it was just made and they took it to Sundance and oh, thank God someone bought it. But between those two things happening, there was like a and a at Sundance and at one point Stanley Tucci said, yeah, this is like a taught melodrama script with absolutely no drama in it. I don't think anyone's going to buy this. And then as soon as someone <laughs> bought shit. it, there was like op-eds and like various new, uh, like film blogs like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be in the poster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tucci. Uh, uh, anyway, but yeah, thumbs up from me, but it's not one of my faves, but I'm, enjoy- I'm going to enjoy this conversation because if I've learned anything, it's that we're at our best when it's early on a weekend morning and we're talking about the financial crisis. <laughs> Trey, Aww, yeah. we live for these cult. moments. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I was aware of this movie as soon as it came out. I, as I recall, it was a day and date movie because it only the budget was something like a million and a half or something like crazy like that. And it was when it got a limited theatrical release. But it came was out it really on, that cheap. Yeah, I was t- totally ex- extremely cheap and and came out uh, the same day on Netflix. Um, one of yeah. the first day and date things mm. I, I was ever aware of and so I was, and it was just for some reason i read a review or whatever but i was like oh okay i'll check that out and i i thought it was awesome i thought it was awesome because much like other movies um moneyball being the one that comes to mind is like wow you took a topic i don't know or care about really and made a whole compelling movie out of it that's an achievement right there if, if nothing else um i think it's i think it's uh, an amazing uh, piece of work i think it's um and I was so impressed by it that I kept an eye on that guy who then went on to make All is Lost, which I also liked a lot, uh, but not a lot of people, you know, some people love that movie and like me and some people didn't like it at all, much like this movie. Um, but he's the one to watch for me because he's he's two for two, J.C. Chandor, the writer-director. He's two for two on taking a movie that if you pitched it, people would go, that's not even a movie, what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and somehow has made two movies based on premises that aren't even proper movie premises uh and so i just i hope two things i hope he ma- he's making one right now called his movie that he's making right now is called the most violent year which is about 1981 was the most violent year in new york history and somehow he's making a movie about that and i can't wait to see it i want to <laughs> see what he does with it um and i i hope that he doesn't you know get snapped up and turned into a joss whedon part of the machine you know i just no keep making these little yeah. tiny movies don't let them hire you for Robocop. don't don't do an avengers or anything like that <laughs> i just don't. like the idea that he goes in and pitches like all right so here's my next movie yeah plants exist <laughs> yeah yeah that's a huh? that's a Shyamalan yeah? pitch plants exist Shyamalan got that one through, you guys don't so. see it it's a perfect thing in my head i'll just i'll just make it give me a million dollars yeah, exactly. i'll make it <laughs> so i i i think it's a fascinating uh movie and i it's funny that uh, you mentioned Stanley tucci i just realized that uh, this movie this movie reminds me of another movie, 
which is an HBO movie that um, uh, came out in 2001 called uh, Conspiracy, which Stanley Tucci was also in, um, which is about where That's the conspiracy, people, which is where the, about where the Nazis all come together to figure out what they're going to do about the Jews. Um, this is oh. the same movie. These, <laughs> these people, these are the thing that this movie does is like some of these people in this movie realize, yeah, we are the evilest people on the planet. We are, we are, the, our, our heads should be on pikes. <laughs> this is the, the semi true story of the real people who are the true villains in today's society <laughs> who we should be putting these people's heads on pikes because they are destroying us all. These are the most supremely evil humans on the planet. And and some of them recognize it, and some of them are like apologetic about it. And the, and what I think the dog was all about was like Kevin Spacey can destroy the world and be sad about his dog. Yeah, is and that's just a hu- very human thing. That was so. that was my read in the in the opening scene. Like all of these people got fired, and you first see him, and he looks he's sad, but it's because of his dog. It's not any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's his dog yeah. that makes him sad. It's like the, it's like it's just a weird little human thing. It's like you know, like the Nazis love their dogs too. So was conspiracy good, by the way? I kind of it was really that. good. It was, yeah, and, and, and it was a very that. similar. Yeah, conspiracy. It. It's someone even made a Star Wars fan film parody of it. Um, mm. uh, but uh, yeah, a strange <laughs> oh, choice okay. certainly. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it takes place almost entirely in one room. It's where all it's it's based on the true event when all the top Nazis came together in a secret meeting and said, "So, what's the plan?" and actually came up with the plan for to what, make- what to do about the Jews and how they were going to do it and all of them were there and they they denied for for years after the meeting ever took place, but somebody they were everyone was supposed to burn their notes, but somebody didn't and they were found later and verified Ooh. this meeting actually did happen. But um it's like it's this amazing uh, HBO <laughs> See, movie. See, when you have you a meeting it. where you all have to agree to burn your notes after the fact, yeah. it should tell you that yeah. You shouldn't yeah. be having that fucking But it's all meeting. about the very weird matter-of-fact way they yeah. discuss the steps of this process that they're about to begin. So Cool. So this movie reminds me of that. So I I think this is a great movie and uh I think it's, you know, it's it's uh, the phrase pure cinema may mean different things to different people, but the, <laughs> but the fact that like this is a movie. This is a movie about oh. Zachary Quinto looking at a screen and like you said, making an <laughs> oh shit face. And then everyone else comes and looks at the screen and makes an oh shit face. <laughs> and, and there's a movie in it. I think it's fascinating and it's an amazing achievement. Cool. You're at the point where the myriad title card has clicked off as we are here. Put your finger on the button. Three, two, one on pause. And I just checked the budget on um, Box Office Mojo. It was 3.5 million, yeah, okay, 3.5. which is more than 1 million. But it's a clean like $12 million cheaper than I would have ever speculated yeah. on the low yeah. end. They're shooting in the middle of New York with all of these. In a, in a, they, there was a, I think, I guess it was, I may have, I guess I may have rented it. That's right. Maybe it wasn't on Netflix. I may have gotten it out of Redbox or something because it was a day and date. But there was somewhere along the way, there was a director's commentary. So I must have had the DVD where he talks about the process of pulling this movie together for a mere 1.5. And, mm. and this, this pl- place they're in is a real place. Yeah, it was some firm that had just shut down, and they yeah. just and they, you know, like they jumped in and Tower grabbed it. Yeah, on the other end, they just Pro- the, went in. The three point five was probably the uh, winding up having 3.5. to. Well, yeah. Well, if he said one point five, it may have been the I, I, for I, that, and then I made up. I made up the one. Okay, okay. 3. But still, 3.5. still three point five. Come on, for this cast alone. Yeah, I mean, obviously they were all just you know, this is an amazing cast they got. But this is this is definitely a, a movie where, uh, you know, everybody. Everybody has their chance to do a monologue. Yeah. So everybody, yeah. that's this why everybody was you hook, you hook somebody in by going, this will be your big scene. And yeah. then you can also shoot them out. Like you could, if you look at like who does what, like you could probably have gotten Demi Moore in and out in like three days. Yeah. You know, and then that's how you make these kind of movies. Well, yeah. Demi Moore doesn't ever leave the building, right? I mean, well, at the very beginning, she's on the street briefly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Her and Stanley Tucci have, but her and Stanley Tucci only have their few scenes at the very beginning, the yeah. very end. 
Tucci, Tucci only has a couple of scenes, so it's it's an, it's a beautiful construction to get great cameos into the movie. Now, I've seen this movie, and I've seen Company Men, and I've seen Up in the Air. I've seen all the major corporate layoffs in film. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got who, the trifecta. Who is, who is the, the layoff woman? Oh, have you, you haven't seen uh, Broadcast she, News. Oh, she was on How I Met Your Mother. Thank you. You're welcome. She was the cake lady. She was yeah. she was one of the not mothers. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call him Kirk, by the way, the whole time. So that's Spock. That's Kirk. <laughs> Spock and Kirk. Because <laughs> sure. I don't know his name. Sure. Uh, and, I think and, I'm, and Legion. I'm pretty sure. And Legion. <laughs> and, Legion. <laughs> and, 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 and Scar. And, and, we'll get and Scar. undead god prince of some sort. Yeah. Um, we'll get to Scar I'm later. pretty sure that this is a misconception, and I've seen it a lot, but I, I'm almost positive as someone who has used nicotine gum a lot uh, in the past, that I'm you're not supposed right. to chew it. You're supposed to like get it chewed up and then leave it in your gum. Well, I'm doing it wrong right now then. Oh really? <laughs> I was thought I always thought the boxes told you that you're supposed to you're not supposed to like chew on it, chew you on probably, it, chew on it. You probably because it's bad for your teeth if you do it that it way. It probably does say that, but it's like everybody yeah, sticks a Q-tip in the fucking ear. What's the point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. Q-tip. Has any has anybody actually worked at a place where they did layoffs and what like experienced? Experience um, I don't think this. I ever have. I've though. worked at places where that has happened, but not while I was there, because I've worked mm. at you know, because I've worked at places like Image Works. I've been laid off a thousand times. Where they, sure, but that's they, VFX. Where they have the, I mean, but you we've all experienced the end of a project, but yeah. this is a very different kind of a thing. Yeah, I was, I, I was on a, um, straight out of, straight out of college, I got a job. <laughs> you were gonna say Compton? No, <laughs> straight out of Compton. straight out of Compton. I get no, straight out of college, I had a job at an engineering firm that went that wound up going under. Um, Mike, uh, yeah. what'd you do? Um, everything. Um, <laughs> it was me. Yeah, it wound up. It wound up going under and having to be sold <clears throat> to another um, uh, to to another firm that was going to that was uh, based in Ohio. So they're going to move everything, move all operations out there. And actually, one of the first things they found when they were going through the books was that I didn't do anything. They they because they the, the product. <laughs> Why would you say your job? You're the guy. Is. You're the guy in office space. Yeah. yeah. They gave me they gave me the job because they thought they were going to have a bunch of work, and then the bu- that bunch of work never came in, which is why they w- wound up going under. But then they never had anything for me to do. So basically, for a year, I just sat there. Uh, and so when when they was did, that when you were a mod on TFN? But I think so, probably. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was wondering how you had all, all that time. Yeah. The uh, so, but they did like the full on layoff. So I actually. That one time, you know, because you like, like watch them go through the the floor of the yeah, place. Yeah, but but one time, uh, you know, usually it's VFX. Like, okay, project's over. Don't come in Monday. Uh, I actually got to have like one of these meetings where they're like, okay, here's your severance package, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> sure, yeah, cool, okay. They're like, we're very sorry. It's like, so am I, and you know, um, and you're like, I this is just a summer job, man. Like, yeah, exactly. So, and uh, after that, I. While I, while I was on, on on unemployment and the severance from that was when we made RVD two, so that that paid for that movie for me. Hooray, capitalism! Yay, <laughs> yay! I will take the money I got from having a job where I did nothing and got paid for it and use it on a thing that I can't possibly make any money from. Yeah, <laughs> America. I, I'm so good at this. <laughs> uh, Game in the system. Man. This is our modern economy. Yeah. She, I, I'm a little confused by what she said, by the way, about a severance package. She's like, we're going to give you six months pay at half your salary. Isn't, isn't that, that three, three months, months? <laughs> Yeah, isn't that three months pay? <laughs> Actually, probably for tax purposes, it's not. Or oh, yeah, okay. Some like, crazy yeah. The benefits tie in and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, healthcare and yeah. Well, yeah, that Whatever. would still count as income and it would be income probably in a different tax bracket is, mm-hmm. how, is how that part works, I think. 
Yeah, that's that's probably a good speculation. This, this, here's how much we know about finance, right there. <laughs> no, actually, that can't be right because that's not how tax works. Oh, actually, I just re- I just remembered in uh, VFX when I was working at Stereo D, I didn't, but but when they when they did layoffs, because it, it's owned by Deluxe, so they're actually very corporate, so they would do this. Uh, whole well, Stereo D is also huge. They'd have exit interviews and and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And yeah, I was just reminded because if they let if you quit, they were like, okay, fine, whatever. But if they let you go, they yeah. did the they have to do the whole by thing, security yeah. and, and stuff like that. Right. So Yeah, man. That's intense. That's never happened to me. Or at least not like this. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever had not a like job. This. Not like this. Formal enough. I've had a couple. Would, uh, I mean, even even at, in VFX companies, yeah, I've had the at the project end, there's been the really big ones. There's an exit interview. Which is kind of, I mean, it just, Up in the Air really is a fascinating movie, too. Just like, what is it like to be that person? I mean, to be that person, like, you're just killing people, like, all day long, just just chopping heads off. like, And you don't work here anymore, and you don't have a job, and you don't have a job. Nobody gets a job. It's like the opposite of Oprah. If you reach under your chair, there's nothing there. There's There's some food stamps. There's EDD. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. For six months. All right, Brian, do you okay, want to do this thing? So, yeah, well, so, so what's this movie? Do we about, want to Brian? do a uh, two minutes hate history of or what the financial crisis is? I've been trying to like figure or I've been give us some glass Steagle, give head. us some CDOs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try and let's see how this goes. Oh, boy. So I'm going to put music behind this yeah. and well, play I'm, it on your Oscar reel. I'm, well, I'm glad you listened to the Giant Pool of Money episode so you can jump in and help me. Oh, God. Uh, if, if I, if jump I into the Giant Pool of Money. Yeah. If only. Uh, which is a great episode, by the way. Okay, but the financial crisis, it all starts with uh, home loans that people take out that they can't afford. They basically buy too much house and they borrow too much money from the bank to do it. Uh, and people do this over a long enough period of time that uh, a bubble forms in the housing market. And all a bubble is is prices go up in a certain industry and people notice and they go, hey, those prices are going up. I, we should get in on that and make some money. And that kind of turns into this reinforcing loop that goes on until somebody realizes, hey, these prices are actually bullshit and none of this is worth <laughs> what this is at all. And then everybody runs away at the same time and the bubble bursts, all the prices fall, and everybody who's still in it is absolutely fucked. Uh, we get bubbles sometimes. Uh, we have bubble. We had a bubble in Silicon Valley the in dot the com 90s. Bubble, the yeah. dot-com bubble. Uh, and okay, so people lost a lot of money. Not a big deal. We had a little bit of a downturn for a little bit, but then we came back up and it was fine. Because it was mostly those people. In yeah, it was, exactly. It was, it was one industry. It yeah. was, exactly. And that's, and that's okay. So why was this different from that? Why did this particular housing bubble turn you know, into this thing that almost destroyed the entire world economy everywhere? The reason is because of the shit they're talking about in this movie, the techno babble in this movie is... All of those mortgages that people took out that they couldn't ultimately end up affording. Uh, and why were they, sorry, uh, yeah, asterisk, why please. were they permitted to do that? They kept lowering down what you had to have mm-hmm. to apply for a loan and get one. It started with yeah. what it used to be in the 50s where it's like, I have this much money in the bank. They're like, okay, we'll look at your old shit. All right, yeah, you can get this loan. And, you have and, a good it, and job, they started bracketing so. it down until eventually it got to the point where you could just say how much money you had. And an accountant would look at your job and say, yes, it's conceivable that someone with that job would have that much money. And that was good. Mm, and yeah. that counts as, yeah. and of course, then it eventually got to the point where there's what they called Nino loans, which were no interest, no assets, or no income, no assets, where yeah. you could just literally anyone could get a loan. <laughs> and it got even worse than that. There were Nina and then there were ninja loans, <laughs> no income, no job slash assets. So somebody who didn't even have a job could go in and say, give me give enough me house, money, please. Yeah, give yeah. me enough money to buy a house. And they would do it. Yeah. The, the historical reasons for that are even greater, but it's... 
it goes to the fact that there was money to be made. These people, you know, credit was really loose. You know, the ability to borrow money was really cheap. The government wanted more people to own homes because we're America and the American dream is to own homes. So that was a factor as well. Um, so it, over 5, 10, 30, 70 years, depending on how you look at it, it got easier and easier to borrow that money uh-huh. uh, regardless of whether or not you could pay it back until we got to the point where we got. Okay. And uh, they started packaging that money with other better money and putting it all under- in one big pot. I understood yeah. that part. Yeah, yeah. So, what, so that's what's saying. happening yeah. here is they took that money, they sliced it up, they chopped it, they rearranged it, they created what are called uh, collateralized debt obligations or what they call in here MBSs, mortgage-backed securities. And all the security is is like a financial product that you know you do some. You sell the stock. A security is like a null. It's like a thing that you affix other value to. Yeah. It can be any. A security could be any number of things. Security is like a plural. Just that's a security. A security is just kind of like a an abstract concept of money Uh in some form, and the forms it takes are numerous and varied. Um, I have several stuffed animal securities. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're, you're, I have Dorkman do my taxes. Buy, sell, your your beanie, your beanie baby uh, securities. <laughs> you can make a lot of money with those. Uh, okay, so they took those mortgages, they created these securities out of them, and they sliced and diced, they packaged them, They and basically consider, you know, think of these CDOs, these little security things, as little black boxes of mortgages. Okay. But they did all of these really complicated things that they, they thought they were geniuses for figuring out how to do. Uh, is that the is that the formula that they're talking about? Where not like, exactly. We thought no. we were geniuses, but this is bullshit. Not quite. Th- that's okay. a different thing. But I fi- okay. I figured out what the actual mar- what what they would have been looking at because it was mentioned sort of almost in passing in that American Life episode, and they never really explain specifically what the thing they look at and go, oh shit, is in this yeah. movie. But in that episode, they mention what it probably would have been, what the premise of this movie is, which I can talk about in a second if Brian doesn't. Yeah, have it. Go ahead. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, um, so okay, Here's Kevin Spacey said about the dog. Said about the dog. You think it's about the employees, but it's the dog. What yeah. uh, if this is like a, like a night and day thing, and like at night he's this guy, and then during the day he's Francis Underwood, and he like kills a dog, and then he's sad about it. <laughs> so it's like a very yeah. Patrick Bateman thing. If Patrick yeah. Bateman moonlighted in Congress, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Underwood. <laughs> okay, so so you have these little black boxes of these mortgage securities, right? And these are what eventually would become to be known as toxic assets. Okay, because. They were the shit that it was in them was a bunch of people who couldn't pay their mortgages mm. and some and, who could and some who could. Yes. But now you are, can't even get at those because they're all mixed up with the they're bad all ones packaged and you together and yeah. you can't get one without the other. And they're all really complicated. Um, uh, so and when uh, Spock talks about, yeah, we've got these things, but it takes us about a month to figure out what's in them and sell them off. He's that month is talking about it takes us a month to open up these boxes and figure out how good what's inside actually really is. Mm. Uh, so. You've so got for that whole month, we have to be able to back up the money in the box. Yes. Even so, if there's really no money in the box. So you've got thousands of these, and all the big banks are doing them. So they, they're all geniuses for creating these things. They buy them, they sell them, they trade them. So everybody has everything. Nobody knows who has what exactly. Mm-hmm. But everybody thinks that they're a lot safer than they are, including the credit rating agencies. Because it feels like it's been diversified. The, the risk feels like it's been spread all Right. Yeah, they're basically buying and yeah. trading loot boxes that haven't right. been opened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and that's actually a good point. They think they're much more diversified than they are uh-huh. when really most of what's in these boxes are these bad mortgages. Right. But they think it's all these things. Uh-huh. And, but m- the percentages is mostly bad mortgages. Uh, so everybody has everything, but nobody knows who exactly has what. Uh, and they all think that these things are much safer and a lot less risky than they actually are. And so the way investment banking works 
is so say you're uh say you're playing a game of poker and you want to bet ten dollars you have to actually have ten dollars in order to bet it right basic simple investment banks and insurance companies and those things they don't actually work that way they're the guys at the table but they don't have that money is that where the analogy is going? Well, they basically, well no, they've they, got someone behind them giving them money. Well, they, they basically the analogy say, is, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have 10 bucks, so I'm going to go yeah, the in analogy And you're is allowed this. to gamble. Yeah, yeah. the analogy mm-hmm. is this. If you're, if you're at the poker table, you have to have all of the money to back up your bet. But insurance companies, imagine if everybody who had Geico insurance all got in a car accident the same day and went to Geico and said, I want my money. There's no way Geico would have all the money to pay everybody else yeah. out at the same time. And if you require them to, they would never be able to be in business because it's just too much money. Mm. It's the same thing with investment banks. The investment banks are making these bets that are like insurance that said, okay, we're going to make 10,000 bets today. And if all of them went bad, then we would never have enough money to pay them all off at the same time. But that's never going to happen. Mm. Only, you know, our models show 10, 12, 15% will go bad and the others will do good. And we have enough money to cover that, right? And they have, you know... Literally, rocket scientists like Spock mm-hmm. work, you know, on Wall Street with these degrees and all these fancy, complicated equations and models and algorithms to tell them twelve percent, fifteen percent, seventeen percent, whatever. Uh, and so, the, when they invented these new things, uh, there was no real regulation that double-checked their work. The credit agents, uh, credit agencies, who their whole job is to double-check that work and say how safe, how risky these things are, basically didn't do their job. Uh. Uh, so everybody thought these things were a lot less risky than they actually were. Uh, and so the model that they're talking about, it has 12, 15%. And no, it was actually much greater than that. Mm. So way more of their bets went bad than their models allowed for. So they didn't have enough money to cover all of the bets, all of those people that got into car crashes the same day and gotcha. said, okay. Yeah, well, with the I Geico thing, the thing is like Geico wouldn't be able to pay if 100% of their people got into a car crash that day. This movie is like, Dude, if one percent of people are going to car crash today, we can't pay that. Yes, yeah. and that's the and that's you'll you'll hear them say. He the, says if it's going to be twenty five percent, that's bad. And the guy's like, so it's like when the music stops. He's like, no, if the music slows yeah. and it's already slowed like five times in the last two weeks. Yeah, uh, and so when he talks about being over leveraged, and you'll hear that term a lot. Leverage means you've put more more and more bets out there than you can actually cover. Mm. Uh, and the more bets you put out, the more leverage you've put out there. And when you get over leveraged, you're think of it, you know, you're on a plank hanging off the edge of a ship. You're just, you know, walking, walking out further far, and further yeah. out to the to the edge. Um, so. So, yes, the banks are required by the government to have a certain amount of capitalization. And that just means how much money they have on hand to cover those bets when they go bad. And the banks, uh, bef- you know, before this and after this, the banks are always fighting to have a lower amount of capitalization, which just means they want to they want to be required to have as little money on hand to cover those bets as possible. Because they think they're really awesome. Even now, they think they're really awesome, and the bets that they're going to make, by and large, are going to be good. Because we didn't... They, there were no consequences, so for, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so the, pr- the problem is the more, the more money they're forced to keep just sitting around in their, in their bank vaults slash hard drives... They can't send that money out to make even more money, right? right? So they're constantly fighting for lower capitalization rates. Um, but unfortunately, if you get too low and then you have a bad day, then this happens. Now, the thing that I picked up on that I could be wrong, but I think would have been the thing they're looking at at the screen here is that the, the nature of that bet that they make where it's like, we're going to get all these mortgages and blah, 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 is a, 
a, a, a mortgage is worth something because we assume someone's going to pay it. Right. And we weigh, that, we, we weigh that against the risk of them not paying it and it forecloses. That's the nature of that, right? Right. And they're like, all right, cool. So we're going to do this. And we know that mortgages are worth this. And the foreclosure rate is like that. And this, 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 this. Over the course of this period of time, the, the like allowable entry threshold for who gets those mortgages is going lower and lower and lower until you get to Nina and Ninja things where it's like, dude, that not fucking, they're not going to be able to pay that goddamn mortgage. But that's not part of the equation. They're not looking at new foreclosure information when they start building these algorithms. They're looking at like 2000, 1995, whatever the last time they checked this, the foreclosure rate on an average, you know, of 100,000 house mortgages, how many of them get foreclosed on? Okay. Well, those numbers are from way before we had right. all these people who couldn't and their algorithm is predicated on a, a risk number that is way too low. Yeah. They should have been they should have been like, oh shit. Like three yeah. quarters of these houses, that half was, of these houses are getting foreclosed they, on now. That was before they legalized drunk driving. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, it's in the guy code analogy, that's exactly what it would be. It's like we're looking at the risk of crashes based on all these things. And then at some point, without changing their risk algorithm, the whole United States said it's cool to drive like drunk and stone to the eyeballs. And it's like, well, people getting crashes a lot more than they used to. We should probably account for that in our thingy. They didn't. And they did. They're like, now nah, we make the money. And the system, don't, like yeah. the inherent bet at the very bottom, or I guess the top of the code of this algorithm, was based on the wrong number. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and part and of he that. He would have been looking at that and going, dude, this, <laughs> this is the wrong fucking number. Yeah, we're upside down. The whole world is upside down <laughs> on its mortgage now. Yeah, the, the one thing they really, they don't specifically come out and say, and every, everything else that builds from that is, is pretty much is is accurate the, the the one piece that they don't come out and explicitly say is at the center of all this is the people paying their mortgages and the, this housing bubble is a sense that these people out there they have mortgages they're either going to pay them or they're not and their homes are either increasing in value or they're not so you don't necessarily need you know uh, you don't need spock to look at a computer and have you know look at the magic bean algorithm and, and have the, the realization if any one of them had gone you know what i think it's a housing bubble and housing prices are going to fall and we're fucked because of that. Anybody could have had that realization. And a couple people did, but the, the world at large didn't listen to them, right. unfortunately. And uh, now, and then they got to write books being like, I told yeah, everybody. Yeah. What did I, yeah. I told there was, everybody. There is one economist that is on, you know, that they, the planet money people talked to several times who basically called it exactly uh-huh. said, this is a housing bubble. These prices are going to collapse at some point. And because of this connection to these financial products that they've created, we're all fucked. Mm-hmm. And he basically not even just got like something bad will happen someday. Somehow uh-huh. prediction. He was like this. You know, he was pretty specific in what exactly was going to go wrong. Was this movie shot on like a 7D or something? I think it was, wasn't it? it as everyone's in the, as someone in the chat room was pointing out. Uh, Skepton in the chat points out it's like every shot here has this just tremendously shallow depth of field. Well, they were doing that. They were doing that when he was uh, when he was studying the algorithm. They were doing well. That like was a, a tilt shift lens. That was different. Yeah. But like the whole movie, like there's bokeh the size of heads in this well, entire movie. It, it is. I mean, <laughs> bite your head off, man. I don't know if it <laughs> I, it might be on the seventy. Certainly. I'm sure. Certainly, I, I'm certainly sure it'd be something digital. like like a level above seventy. Certainly, it's digital, but also it's it's a nighttime. It, you know, it's at night. I, they probably didn't have a lot of light, so they're just shooting wide open, and that's going to give you the the shallow depth of field, regardless. Uh, as long as you're damn, on look at that right. great techno babble screens, shit, man. Those are those are those are great. I'm sure there's actually real information on those screens. I guess I don't yeah. know, but like those are all like oh, well, they, fuck they yeah. may be as someone who has to make screen assets. I know they're they're fantastic. It's like oh, look at all those. I was um, using them as like a, as like a 
as like a model myself, like, okay, look at the, is there, is there actually a color palette at work or is it just all over the place uh-huh. or, you know, just sort of kind of looking at what they did there. The, uh, kind of the standard thing in the financial industry is what's called a Bloomberg terminal. So it's just a computer, specialized computer with all of the techno babbly bullshit that a financial analyst would need. And that those very well may just be real Bloomberg screens. Oh, uh, thanks Owen. In the chat, Owen points out, I can't read it. Okay. Ari flex 435 for the helicopter shots. Uh, uh, a 5D for the driving scenes and a red one MX with a Zeiss for the rest of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. so was, they were just shooting wide open. On, Thanks, Owen. He uh, killed a guy stuff. to find out that information. Yeah. <laughs> Many Bothans. I'm sure, I'm sure the, the helicopter shots being filmed is just because they were stuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stuck it could be. Yeah. I'm also not exact. I, I don't <laughs> like, in terms of the things that I was reacting to last night were I really like parts of this and then some of these parts feel so undercooked. And Kirk's whole thing, the entire movie is like, did, did somehow his lines from draft one make it into the shooting draft or something? Because he has exactly one thing the entire movie, which is to constantly ask how much someone, how much money is someone's making and just constantly establishing this guy's a piece of shit, this guy's a piece of shit, this guy's a piece of shit. Then later in the movie, a guy calls him a piece of shit and then he cries because all he ever wanted to do was be a piece of shit. Yep. And like, but it's not well you had to have that character yes yeah. yeah but like i feel we, we have seen I think we have seen more layered pieces we have seen more layered that guys in movies like even this year like matthew mcconaughey in, in wolf of wall street or something where it's like there's layers to his piece of shit dumb other than that he just sits there and asks how much money everyone's making i well he hasn't i think he it's hasn't one of the become matthew then again this is a movie yet. with 45 main characters yeah I, I think it's one of those things where it's reality is more of a cliche than you would like it to be <laughs> yeah really uh and it's you know these it's that fine line between doing a movie and being a real movie yeah it, these you know that guy is just in you know indicative he's an example of that you know that kind of person that exists on wall street and you have to have him represented in there yeah. somewhere because like you because like you said he's incredibly one note as the world is collapsing around him he's going yeah but but i still get paid right <laughs> right yeah. you know well i i, I like to s- you know, and and let although I agree with you, I do agree with you in spirit that he, that's the one character we kind of go, why why are you here as opposed to you know it's like it doesn't feel like he he quite pays off either I don't think, but I I, I don't uh, you know disagree with his presence or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it feels like there's one beat missing in his storyline that could, but you know just because we think that didn't stop this movie from getting nominated for an Oscar for original screenplay and rightly so. So um, that was, that was what sort of put it on the map was like, what, what movie got no What, what is that movie? But, um, but I agree with you, but I always, for me, I, I see like every one of these characters is sort of at some stage in this game. There's the guy who just wants to, who's just starting out, who wants to, you know, aspires to be in the game. There's the guy who's been in the game long enough to be cynical about it, but still does it. There's the guy who's like totally been destroyed by it and losing his soul. Then there's like the guy who's the king of the game, who is the most supreme evil person in the whole movie. (laughs) And, you know, all these different people who are all affected by what they're doing or not affected by it in various different ways. And so he, you know, he represents the, he, the, the young kid, to me represents the well why do people do this awful thing it's like because there's so much money to be made that you can justify it in your mind that that i can spend my life doing this and i will have millions of. oh he's not even there for the questions he's there for the answers to be said in the movie yeah he's there for every time he says how much does that guy make 85 million dollars it's for it's for the word 85 million dollars to appear not for him to be the guy who asks that question all the time yeah just so people go shit that guy makes a lot of money yeah and uh, and then uh, you know and legion and legion draws it all together where he points out, like, we don't do anything. We don't make things. We don't 
add anything to society. We just turn nothing into more money and until they, you know, until we get caught at it. He, so he totally accepts like we are just this is awful what we're doing. But come on, like what would you rather do? Would you, would you want to work in a factory for heaven's sake? Come on. So the idea that that we we do this thing and even when we destroy the rest of the world doing it, we'll still be OK. That's not great. But do you want to trade places with those poor fuckers no. outside? No, of course not. So do you want to live in the destroyed world? <laughs> yes. Or do you want to do well, you want to be the destroyer of worlds? That's and that's definitely the the theme, you know, the core idea of the movie. It's like this idea of like uh, work as this imaginary of this game of pushing numbers around a computer screen compared to the rest of the world that actually does things and they create things. Yeah. You know, uh, Stanley Tucci has his whole monologue, which I love the shit out of where he talks about the bridge he built <laughs> yeah. and just doing the just doing the hard numbers of he built that bridge 22 years ago blah blah and he gets all the way up to i've saved a thousand years for these people you know and a thousand eleven hundred years they don't have to spend sitting in a car uh and kevin spacey at the end of the movie says you know well i could have been a ditch digger at least at the end i would have had some fucking <laughs> holes, been to, some holes in the ground for it. yeah that's my favorite line in the yeah. movie yeah and what's yeah. i think a lot of people and, picked up on this and it, it certainly showed up in a few of the reviews that i read and we've even talked about it already a little bit here which is for what this movie is and for what this incredibly like just realistic and dry and it's like a non-thrilling thriller of oh shit in a meeting room somewhere you do expect that because this movie is that movie it's going to at least at one point have a scene that will you know like the fucking opening monologue rant from the newsroom just got passed around by itself as just a scene (laughs) because that scene is such a thing and it happens with a few like west wing scenes too there'd be a scene in this movie where they just fucking lay it out in like a two minute thing that is truly like a layman accessible explanation of what happened and that would just be part of this movie but that scene would be a thing that's like oh you should see the whole movie that scene is from but we never actually get a scene like that where it's really crisply just laid out it's laid out for people who already had an understanding of macroeconomics walking in kind of but for anyone else there isn't actually a scene in this movie that gives you like this like legend or key for the rest of the fucking scenario to, to make sense to you where it's just literally okay this then that then this then that what brian just did right but but you know that's that's fair i'll I'll, I'll give that to you i would i feel like if that scene's gonna be in any movie it would have been in the scenes the scenes you're talking about that get passed around those are the editorializing scenes where people have you know that that's the like the paul bettany scene where he's like yeah we're we do this and you know we do if he he almost has the same monologue as uh, uh as president snow in the hunger games it's like <laughs> we're, yeah we give them hope because that makes them easy to oppress yeah. like that's what that's we can't give them anything thing. more than hope because yeah. they don't have any hope really but that's and that's you know that's uh, that's the thing that people have said for a long time it's like why do we allow this it was just that big study that came out uh, you know this week with america's not even a democracy it's an oligarchy yeah. and and all that and and, and we're all going to go rah, rah, rah on the internet and then you know not do anything about it um and the and the thing that's been said so often is like why do we allow these these horrifying humans to keep doing this to us it's like because we'd like to be one of them someday yeah. We don't want them stopped because we hope we still aspire to be one of them. That's it's like, but if I could get a piece of the billions that are flowing around out there mysteriously, I would want that opportunity. And that's America, damn it. 
So so that's that's why we don't yeah. that's why we don't put these people to the torch. That's what, is because we want to actually still be one of them. Yeah, that's what Paul Bettany says. He says, uh, you know, everybody talks about wanting it to be fair, but they don't want it to be fair. They just want it to be on their side. Yeah, <laughs> right. they want my yeah. thumb on the I scale. Mean, the, the yeah. And the modern of, American quality of life is not fair. I mean, right. let's let's the, be yeah. brutally the, honest about the fact that he he is right in that regard that America has its scales on our side, and that's very beneficial. And, you know, the, for us. the whole idea of of you know the, that term everybody all the nobody thinks they're poor they're just a temporarily embarrassed billionaire yes that's the, it's <laughs> like they're they're going to eventually be rich so they don't want to bring down the rich because they want to be in that position eventually and they're like well i don't want to i don't have a, want to have a problem when i'm a billionaire it's yeah like, dude the, the reason you're never going to be a billionaire is because <laughs> yeah. you're allowing that to happen yeah yes yeah we already have the billionaires. Everyone can't be a billionaire. Yeah. That's just the hard rule. <laughs> if everyone were a billionaire, it wouldn't be that great. Yeah. That's how inflation works. And if yeah, the, the, fact, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact that there are billionaires means there are going to be some non-billionaires. Yeah. That's because it's the, a finite uh, system. So. so this French economist just came out with a, a book that's uh, going to be a big deal. <clears throat> it is a big deal and will be continue to be a big deal where he, you know, he released his grand unified theory of economics uh, and his one little E equals MC squared equation. Uh, which basically um, <clears throat> boils down to when it's more profitable to spend your money doing shit like this, pushing you know, pushing imaginary numbers around an investment screen, against compared to actually sending your money out and building things and starting businesses and hopefully making a profit out of these. Uh, when the former is more profitable than the latter, then you end up in a situation where all the money just kind of pools into this sector into you know these people and that money just gets inherited and inherited yeah. down through the generations um and that historically this is basically what human history has been for almost all of its its run and that's we we think that stopped being the case when world war ii happened and like forever <laughs> stopped being the case but really world war ii until now was just a temporary suspension of that rule and now we're back in that rule again mm. So, you know, we thought that, okay, we broke the Gilded Age with World War One and World War Two, uh, and then we created this strong middle class, and, you know, we built America out of that, and we built the <laughs> yeah. world out of yeah. America. But then we fixed that. We corrected that. That was a that was. But a that was really temporary, just a temporary yeah. thing, and now we're reverting back to the historical standard, yeah. and we're going to go back to the world where if you're not born a billionaire, you will never be a billionaire. Yeah. Until, so, unless until one podcast. Some heads on pipes. Yes. Yeah. One podcast can, can make the difference. And... and I think one of the telling things about this movie is that as many and and we're about to, uh, I think we're about to have one of the scenes right here where Kevin Spacey is the first one to to catch on. Uh, I, I think it is in this scene. If not, uh, it's coming up soon. Where Kevin Spacey is the first one to catch on. Like, okay, we've all established what the situation is. What now? And he, you know, he starts to realize what the mentalist is 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 going to head for. <laughs> and he's the first one who goes, "You can't be thinking of doing this." And and he's not the first one in the movie to say you can't possibly be thinking of doing this. But notice that every single person in the movie is on board for what not one person jumps out and says, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Everybody does it in the end. So, Everybody gets on board and does the thing at e the even, end. Even the people who do put up a fight, even yeah. uh, Legion and Lex Luthor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they all and, they all and Daily Show and, and Daily uh, Show, yeah, yeah. and Striptease. No, Spider Man Two guy, yeah, Striptease or Showgirl? Awesome, awesome in Spider Man Two. Yeah, I do. I do Striptease. <clears throat> okay, um, Ghost. 
So, yeah, and basically to analogize what's happening here and what will happen in all the meetings is they realize Just that... Just like they, they analogized us. <laughs> what they're realizing is Sorry. that they're holding this live hand grenade that's about to go off, and they go, well, it's going to blow up, but we still got 10 seconds, so we might as well sell it to that guy <laughs> yeah. before it blows up, because he doesn't know it, it's going to blow if up. If we hand it to somebody else, we'll get hurt the least. This yes. is like the plot of the producers just on yeah. Wall Street, where it's like, you can make more money with a flop than a hit. Oh, really? If I sell all this shit real fast <laughs> yeah. and everyone else eats shit, I'll come out on top? All right. And so that's what they're talking about. And by the way, his techno babble is just about how heat and gas go through a rocket engine in low gravity. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Like, now, what I like about like the mentalist do. here, this is going to be a weird one, but you know in Return of the Jedi, when they're doing their, like, you know, rally all the, the, the team members and they gather their wagons and they're like Mon Mothma comes down and says many Bothans died and and then General Nadine comes up and he has a beard that is skin colored so you ne I never knew until like I saw a DVD because I was watching on VHS I couldn't tell if he just had a weird face or he had a face colored beard or what was going on and it, no one with hair color the exact same shade as their skin should have beards the mentalist <laughs> has that going on with eyebrows quite a bit uh, in this scene I can it's, see his it, eyebrows. With, in this scene it doesn't really serve my point very well def. but like if you if you watch him in daylight Oftentimes, his eyebrows just cease to be like they're like Homer Simpson back into his forehead. <laughs> Have you seen The Mentalist by Daylight? That sounds like a Guns N' Roses title. It too. does. The Mentalist by Daylight. Yeah, man. This scene, th this scene feels like it's it's almost. There, there were moments here that were verging on like Aaron Sorkin, the bit where he asked it's for the very, time, yeah. like back yeah. and forth, really quick. What time is it? It's three fourteen. Yeah. What yeah. time is it? Three fifteen. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Fuck. And if you are interested in that kind of thing, um, John Wells, who was on The West Wing Forever and then ran it after Sorkin got the boot, um, made a movie called I think it was called Company Men or The Company Men with Ben Affleck and Koshner was in it, and it's along the same lines as this. It's a layoff movie, um, but it's with a distinctly West Wing smell to it, including, but not limited to, these Trajan title cards. Yeah. Um, nice. So that's, I, I don't recall actually liking the movie that much, but, you know, fuck it, I didn't like Contagion that much, so, <laughs> so that doesn't know? actually matter. <laughs> but it's it's John Wells. Um, I, I don't think hmm. Tommy Schlani was the DP, but he might have been. But I remember it being a distinctly like... Because he's a director, so he probably wouldn't have been. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shlami used to be the DP, didn't he? No, he's a director. No. Oh. He was the director. Well, you know, his name is Thomas Shlami, but I, I go, I, I try to, I don't agree. He must have had it really I go with in school. Thomas Shlamis. Uh, okay. Anyway, his, what he's saying here is like, yeah. we can sell this grenade to somebody else, but if we don't keep buying grenades from other people, then they're going to realize they're going to get grenades. suspicious. Yeah. Which is just, I, I guess, what's what was. There's another movie that I feel like there's another movie that did something like that. But then there's been several movies about, like, uh, Boiler Room was one of those movies about stock, you know. And, and I guess Wolf of Wall Street. Kind of, Wolf of Wall Street touches on it. I mean, this is this is like Wolf of Wall Street without, you know, the hookers and the and the cocaine. Is yeah. It's about, you know. But Wolf of Wall Street is just, it's so over the top and ridiculous that, I mean, it's. It's, Tar it's Tarantino's a, this. As a, as a fiction, I yeah. just thought it was way well, too that's, cliche. That's, and, and what I just said was, this is that without all that stuff. So this is this. But it's the same story. It's about it's about people who, you know, 
are evil for a living by trying to be more evil than the other evil people and go, no, seriously, I know you ought to buy this thing because it's going to be great. Oh, I'm doing you a big favor here. And everyone's everyone's jockeying for that position. It's like there's, I, there's probably cocaine in this building, but we're just not seeing it in this movie. <laughs> I was making a joke about the fact that Wolf of Wall Street isn't completely true. <laughs> uh, it didn't land. Uh, yes. And so, OK, so that's. Th- that's the other thing is the big question is, and you know, many lawyers and law enforcement officials have tried and are still probably trying to figure this out in the sense that who knew what, and can we prove that anybody definitively knew that these things were grenades when they were selling them before the whole, before they all blew up. Uh, and so far, at least to my knowledge, nobody has been able to prove that they did try to, the government did try a couple of, um, think they were hedge fund managers of some you know small or medium-sized firm said okay you there's this email between you guys where you clearly know you're talking amongst yourselves where you you know that this is a bullshit thing uh but if they pulled like one quote out of context and again this is an episode on the planet money podcast but they pull like one quote from this email that makes it sound like yeah these guys knew what the fuck was up but then if you read the whole email in context they didn't so the big question is who knew that these things were bullshit and who genuinely believed and just were mistaken about the risk and how pro- you know how viable these things actually were uh and the reason why so so 40 years on we're still playing who knew what and when did they know it yeah yes. yeah <laughs> and the, the reason why nobody has gone to jail one of the reasons is because nobody has been definitively able to prove this the head of J.P. Morgan or the head of Citibank or whatever knew definitively that these things were bullshit and kept selling them anyway. Mm-hmm. Certainly many people did, but being able to prove that is something else. Right. And that's, and that's where we have the thing that, you know, that we, if you steal $10 from the, the grocery store, you can go to jail. But if you make $10 billion disappear from the entire economy, yeah. there's no law that can prosecute you. Another thing I just remembered because they're like we didn't think we'd have to make a law about <laughs> yeah, right. but they're no they're, they're good people they're they're helping they're who, they're stimulating the economy who would have to tell you not to do that yeah. why would we need that law yeah. I remember one of the things that I, I I was thinking last night it just reoccurred to me which was at the beginning of this it's a movie about how they have been making bad bets internally in in their company over the course of the movie they realize that this is a systemic thing like not only them but all the other companies are doing the exact same thing and at the beginning you're feeling all that stakes and tension of oh my god the company is going to go under because we made this mistake but you never actually they they never make any bones about the economy maybe they didn't see it coming well yeah but but in terms of they do a little bit they do a little bit mistakes though towards the end of this movie i i know that this is going to tank the economy but they they don't internally raise the stakes that way too to keep up with the running length of the film and and go like these guys aren't just dealing with the fact that they're going to fire most of the people that work for them they're also going to tank the financial sector for yeah they're going to cause a recession and possibly a financial apocalypse which almost happened i guess that's true i saw i i feel like I felt like they did, or I understood that, but probably just because I understood that much about what actually the, happened. The I, d- I think you're right. I don't life. think I don't think the movie actually. They they that make out. a couple of kind of oblique references. You know, the the, the really damning scene is between uh, Scar and 
uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> uh, after the meeting. It's funny because I was going to, coming into this, I was going to say I'm really happy. I'm glad that, that Zachary Quinto has managed to move past, like, he didn't get caught in Heroes. It's yeah. like, if you're going to yeah. be yeah. stuck as something, it's better to be stuck as Spock than as Siler. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so good for him that he's Spock now. That's but right. Now I, he was Siler. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, show. Well, exactly. That there was a show it's that like, was on, and people yeah, that people was, thought was really good for some reason. That was his, I wasn't one of them. I never. That saw was him. that <laughs> was his yeah. big thing. That's that's where he kind of came from. But now it's like, yeah, you can forget about that, and he's still a thing, and good for him. Yeah, it's <laughs> good for him, indeed. George Clooney used to be on Facts of Life, but he moved <gasps> off of it. Bruce Willis was on Moonlighting. Anyway, that's the right. the well, that was a good show though. The kind of crude <laughs> yeah, was, an- the, the kind of crude analogy I would make to try to explain what I was talking about. We have to call that guy Kirk because he's nobody. Yeah, everybody else. He's he's he was probably doing that off camera too how much do you think uh, Zachary made last year oh well he made two million dollars I was at you got four million for Legion I know it's crazy right it's bullshit but hey what are you gonna do it's the system it's all imaginary yeah the kind of shitty analogy I would make about the vibe I was talking about a second ago would be as if we're going in to see a movie about the Titanic and we know as most of the American population <laughs> that the Titanic sank for real yeah. So we know that's going to happen. The one's over 30 anyway. And in the movie, it plays as it plays, and they get hit by an iceberg, and now water's coming in on the ship, and they're all like fucking panicking and dealing with the fact that water's coming in on the ship. And they never actually escalate the stakes to say, the ship's going to sink too. It's just, damn it, we have all this water. Like, now our ship is filling with water. This is a big problem. But they never go, the ship's going to sink. Like, the entire ship is going to sink. It's not just the fact that all of our clothes are wet. Well, they do, and it's it's quick, and it, it can be easy to miss. Uh, but Jeremy Irons and, and Kevin Spacey, when they were talking outside the meeting, uh, and Kevin Spacey's like, we can't give these people these these grenades. It's That's shitty, <laughs> and it will destroy us. Nobody will ever buy from us again. And Jeremy, Jeremy Irons basically says, yeah, but... It's not just us with the grenades. Everybody has the grenades, and they're all about to go off. So if we're the first one out the door, <laughs> yeah. better for us. And that's yeah. the being the first one out the door is the only way where anybody, any of us, is going going to survive. And maybe the problem is just that <clears throat> the, the, only people, the only the only people in the movie that know that that knows that those are the stakes are the are Scar and <laughs> Capex. <laughs> and the rest of the people that wow. were watching never have that dawning realization of this is even bigger than I thought it was and I thought it was like huge well I think the thing is that's interesting about it and again I think the movie makes a very deliberate choice is they there's no character in the movie who isn't in this machine there's no one on the outside there's no like you know but what about the little man I mean they think about the except for President Rosalind at the end well but, but, she, she, but, she but she's not affected like, yeah. and in fact that that's a very telling scene because it's only at the very end in that last little moment, does Kevin Spacey even think to ask about his son, who apparently is is in this business too, to go, oh, did he survive? Is his company still intact? Like, yeah, they got hammered, but they're okay. He's like, oh, good. Is But that's, I think, again, what this movie is about, is these people are so insular that it's all about... And myopic. You know, the world is ending. It's just yeah. about, can we save our own company? Can we save our own skins? The world, you know, it's a done deal. It's like, it's it's a lot of 12 monkeys. It's like, we can't stop the plague. All we can do is try and get a sample of the virus. It's like, that's, the world is ending. The apocalypse is here. It's all about, are we going to just save our own company yeah, and like enough? And, and even then, it's like, you know, they're, they're having the conversation. He, he's going, nobody is, you know, this is going to destroy the, company nobody's ever going to buy from us and he's sort of just like you know 
<laughs> he's, he's sort of just like That's a tomorrow problem Yeah exactly <laughs> I'm worried about the today yeah. problem It's like first of all We have to be, a, be We have to still be a company tomorrow yeah. We have to still exist And And you know, had Many major companies Like wasn't it Goldman Sachs Disappeared in the In the in the, in the crash And a bunch uh, of Lehman other, Brothers Yeah Lehman yeah. Brothers yeah. I mean these are companies That existed for centuries And for a century And, and This They were destroyed by this and So So Yeah so let's <clears throat> Let me try to explain That That back half of it um, So the reason why this ship blew up caused the entire world to go into an almost depression and a great recession. Uh, so all of these huge banks have have these grenades that they that all blow up at roughly the same time. Lehman's brother, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they they blow up. Yeah, what uh, are those? Uh, okay, yeah, those. let's do let's do Fannie and Freddie Mac. So <laughs> um, remember when I said that the government was really wanted people to be homeowners, mm. American dream, everybody should own a home. Uh, Fannie, we're not gonna, this, we're not gonna support this. That is, this really, is FDR shit now. Yeah, yeah. we're going and, back in and time. So, yeah. And this is also saying, like, depending on how you look at it, this crisis goes back seventy years, or right. it was seventy years in the making. Um, the government basically said we want as many people as possible, as feasible, to own homes. Uh, so in order to facilitate that goal, we are going to create uh, one, and then eventually two. Uh, Freddie Mac came later, but two private corporations. Uh, whose mandate Our is... Our first mistake. Yes. <laughs> and, and this is the thing. Like, if you actually look at it, Fannie and Freddie Mac are these really weird, unique instances of government-mandated capitalism mm. or, you know, government-mandated corporations. They were private corporations, but they were founded and chartered by the federal government with the mandate of increasing home ownership. So they uh, gave out home loans, and then those home loans and mortgages were traded back and forth, and they were... But otherwise, they were private corporations, and their profits were private. The problem was, um, you know, the whole like privatize gains, public, you know, but socialized public, uh, uh, socialized losses. losses. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously that became a, a factor when we had to bail out the banks, but that was a factor with Fannie and Freddie Mac in the sense that um, Fannie and Freddie Mac, if they lost money on paper and in polite company would not have been bailed out by the government. It's like, no, they're private corporations. They win or die by their own decisions, mm -hmm. like a company should. But everybody kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge each other, go, yeah, but if you guys really get in trouble, the government will save you mm -hmm. because you guys were created by the government, right? Well, at a press conference, no, 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 no. We are a private corporation. And our, you know, we make our own decisions. But in the back rooms, if you guys get in trouble, <laughs> the government's going to save you, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. And when you have that kind of understanding... Uh, it creates what's called moral hazard, which is they're like, playing with more information than everyone else is. That's part they of it. know they're not going to. That's die. part of it, but it's it's specifically it's moral hazard. A moral hazard is you you know there's no consequences for your exactly, actions and that's exactly it. That's yeah. all it is. It, you know if you get into real trouble, Big Brother is going to come in yeah. and save you. So as a result, you're motivated to take more risks than you otherwise would and do more risky things than you otherwise did, which is exactly what happened. And I didn't realize until way too late in my life um, that uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are both acronym results. It's like FNME becomes Fannie Mae and FDMC becomes Freddie Mac or something like that. But like those corporations are like little like four letter corporations. And then we just call them Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac because it's easier to do that than say those letters every time. Yeah. I didn't realize that until like two years ago. So okay, I didn't so, realize that till you said that just now. So you're cool. welcome. Yeah, it, it, like why are they called that shit? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. it's it's like FDR was weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They sound cute. He Pu named him after his buddies. Yeah. It's like if FDR, if FDR if FDR had created the CIA, he would have added O, so he could call it Chow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chow. Uh, Central Intelligence Agency Office. 
Ciao. Ciao. Oh, that actually works. Ciao. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, okay, so Fannie and Freddie Mac, uh, they have all these bad loans and they collapse. Uh, but all this shit is traded among everybody at this point. Uh, so all these big banks, these private banks, investment banks like Lehman Brothers, uh, also have all of this shit. And Lehman Brothers Grenade is the first one really to go off. Uh, and what was still at the time, the Bush administration in its last uh, couple of months went, we can't save them because if we save them, then first of all, it's, you know, so- socialized losses and it's, it's not how capitalism is supposed to work. And if we do, we create this moral hazard where other banks will know that the federal government will come in and save them. So we cannot save Lehman Brothers. So Lehman Brothers goes under. And then, like, whatever it was, a week or two weeks later... They win the VFX award for best visual effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bear Stearns goes under. And then everybody really gets the Zachary Quinto oh shit face and go, we really, really have a fucking problem here. Mm-hmm. And the Bush administration, the motherfucking Bush administration, <laughs> against everything it ever believed in, said, if we don't bail these guys out, then the whole economy will come to a grinding halt. Uh, so then they do. And then the crisis keeps going from there as, it, as everybody starts to realize... Oh, it's not just one or two companies that are holding these grenades. Everybody is holding these Mm. grenades. And now everybody, even the companies whose grenades haven't gone off, are realizing that they're holding grenades. And nobody is buying or selling or trading anything to anybody else. Now, what would would have happened if if the bailout hadn't occurred? So the next step, and this, this did start to happen, and the government's, like, crisis response was really this... Their goal was to do this one thing, which is to keep commercial lending going. So uh, we have the Federal Reserve, uh, which is America's central bank. And that just means that's the government's bank. And when the government says, hey, there's more money, the federal, literally the Federal Reserve, their, their bank computer goes, oh, tap, 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 tap. Okay, there's now more money. Mm-hmm. They then give that newly created money to the big banks, uh, JP Morgan, whatever whoever uh and then that money goes between themselves and then trickles down the system to us what what happens on an upper level that is kind of like think of it as like the grease that keeps the gears of the economy moving is what's called the commercial paper market uh and that is basically banks lending millions or tens of millions of dollars to each other over a period of like a couple weeks right so say boeing Boeing's payroll is on Tuesday, but their contract, they don't get paid for their contracts until Thursday. And Boeing's payroll is, you know, $20 million. So they'll take out a $20 million loan for like a week from their bank. And then that bank will borrow that money from a different bank because somebody has that pile of cash laying around on that particular day. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, and it just gets moved. And normally it's not an issue. That shit moves back and forth all the time. No, no problem. But when these banks are just blowing up out of the blue overnight, literally overnight. And you have no idea whether the bank that you just lent $50 million to is going to exist in 12 hours. Then you're a little more reluctant about lending them $50 million. And if they're not lending each other that $50 million over and over and over again, so companies like Boeing all the way down to the pizza shop on the corner can't make things like their payroll and all their other like day-to-day expenses that's when the grease disappears and the gears uh-huh. seize up and the whole economy shuts down. And that's what was starting to happen. And that's what the federal government was desperately, desperately trying to avoid okay. and manage by the skin of our teeth to avoid to happening. Well, because because you were um, 
as as I think most sensible people are angry about the Bush administration doing the bailout, what what was their option? What was their other? That's option? the thing. There wasn't. No, there was no okay. other option. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't the bailout, and and because now, now conservatives like to blame Obama for the bailout. Like he yeah. continued the bailout because, yeah, it because it was necessary. But but Bush started it because it was necessary. I mean that was fine. It was like. It was the eight years building up to the it. The anger wasn't that, we that shouldn't was, do yeah. this. The anger was I fucking hate those the anger guys. was yeah. the anger was you. The anger you, was you got us to this. Point. Yeah, yeah. The, the anger wasn't we or shouldn't have been. We shouldn't do this. The anger is we shouldn't have, have do done this. this in the first place yeah. to yeah. force ourselves. Yeah. To how do did this. how did this happen exactly? Yeah. And it's you know and it's it's. You know, I, I, I'm a liberal, so I'm going to always go. It's you know deregulation, where we let these people do this, yeah. where they yeah. let the, they let the financial industry take the bigger risks because we're all making money from it. And we're like, oh yeah, it's good, it's going good. Let them keep going. Oh yeah, you haven't talked about the repeal of Glass Steagall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the repeal of Glass. Or what that is? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Glass Steagall is is an act from again the New Deal in the Depression era, uh, because the forces that created the Great Depression. And the forces that created this are largely similar. Uh, and Coney Island, <laughs> the yeah. Coney Island hot dog, pretty much. The uh, those guys. Uh, one one very similar factor was the fact that uh, investment banks and lending banks, there was no separation between them. So these guys are investment banks. J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers are big investment banks. They trade millions and billions of dollars. They're playing poker over there. They're playing poker with the world economy, and it was their own money. Great, go nuts, whatever, if you think you can make a buck. I.e., like the people who were in control of those banks literally put their money into it. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, lending banks, on the other hand, are the banks that you go down the street to use, and you actually put your money into a checking account, and then you get it back out to pay mm -hmm. your rent, right? Uh, so that's a lending bank versus an investment bank. Uh, the Glass-Steagall Act, which is part of the Depression, uh, put up a great big giant wall between them to keep them separate. So basically, but it was a one-way wall, really. <laughs> well, it was it was literally to keep investment banks from using our money to make those big bets. Mm. Uh, and then in the '90s, under the Clinton administration, it should be said, uh, the Glass-Steagall Act was repealed because the thought was, if we if they have more money and they can make they can make good bets, then they can make better mm. bets. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you phrase it like that, it sounds crazy, <laughs> right? Uh, and for a while it was great, uh, but then those bets went bad and it wasn't just their money on the line. It was mm -hmm. our money because that wall had been brought down and they invested our houses and they lit yeah, invest literally they're investing our mortgages mm. and, uh, and our other things too. our car payments, our credit card debt. Wasn't there else. also, I don't remember, and maybe this is a separate thing, but wasn't there also some weird loophole? I can't remember where I heard about this, where it's like, there was a rule where you couldn't you couldn't do both, but if you acquired a business that was doing that, then you could, then that could, it could remain that way and stuff like that. And so probably banks yeah. started like acquiring other, when they realized that they could do this, they started acquiring each other and sort of going, oh, well, this is, this is, we're getting around this, this regulation yeah. by, by this. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I, I probably there's, and that, and that's the argument against regulation is, and I got to say, it has some some validity to it. It's the sense of these guys are huge and they have all the money in the world, literally. Uh, so whatever regulation you create, they're going to have five floors of suits whose only job is to figure out how to get around that regulation. Well, we don't accept that when we're talking about gun laws. So why would we accept it for, <laughs> for this? If you have regulation, they're just going to break it. It's like, yeah, but make it a, make it a 
challenge at least <laughs> can we make it kind of hard for them yeah that, that's and that's the thing at it's, least make them hire those five floors of people yeah. that's the thing is you have to make sure it's the is the right regulation and create yeah. jobs and that's a, exactly a, yeah and that's a very hard thing to do um but a very necessary thing to do um so yeah here's the scene i was talking about before where yeah. jeremy irons basically says be prepared mm, be, yeah he kind of uh, does look we yeah everybody has a grenade show. they're all about to blow up and so we just have to be the first ones out the door um so yeah so part of part of the early days of the planet money podcast they is them literally calling into some friend of theirs that works in the you know is a trader in the commercial paper market and going so how much business are you uh you doing today and he goes not a lot <laughs> i'm just kind of sitting here and that's the like the that's the point where the you can really start to hear the terror in their voices <laughs> as they <laughs> As they find that information out, and both of this, they kind of learn themselves what is happening. Um, I will say, like listening, listening to the early days of that podcast and going through the financial crisis again in real time, uh, it kind of gave me like anxiety and halfway of a panic attack at work listening to like That's, the fucking economy is collapsing. Yeah. Oh my god! That uh, happened. That happened to me when I uh, when I got behind on like. Uh, uh, Colbert and the Daily Show during one of the elections. I can't. Remember. I think it it might have been the first Obama election or the re-election. It's like watching it again. You know how it turns out, but it still got scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just going through that again, it's like, oh god. <laughs> well, like speaking of fucking old podcasts, I, I've been going back through This American Life and just you know picking episodes that look interesting to me, and I'll pick three or four from a year, maybe five or six from a year, and there's like twenty a year. So it didn't take me that long to get back to 2001. And all of a sudden, I'm not paying attention to it. I'm just going back, back, back. New episode, new episode, new episode. David Sedaris is funny. Next, next, next. And then all of a sudden, I'm on September 14th, 2001. Oh, wow. And the first act of that show was a 30-minute phone interview with someone who was above where the plane hit and got out. And it's just her talking about being there. And this is, you know, this is on September. She would have probably had that phone call on the 13th, and they got it out the next day. And it's like, or maybe this was the one from the 21st. Um, Still. and and she's talking about how like I I still have the clothes I was wearing, they smell like burning World Trade mm. Center. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with these clothes. Like I can't. And like I I, I still feel I wake up every morning feeling like I'm gonna go into work. Yeah. Like it's not even like set in that she doesn't have work tomorrow because her work was in the Trade Center buildings. Mm. Here's talking about going back and getting all panicky about something. Yeah. By yeah. the way, here's a great scene where I mean. I mean, uh, talk about visualizing what we've been talking exactly. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this, she's the one character. She is the one character who's not in this world, and she literally does not exist to them. Yeah, they're talking. But she's right she between. She's it. right yeah. between she's them. in the crossfire. <laughs> literally, yeah. <laughs> she's just standing there, and like I don't know what's happening. Yeah, she, she's. I don't know. This this the cleaning lady represents the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. And and it's I think it's important to note that not only do they not acknowledge her but she doesn't really acknowledge them either she's used right. to letting them like they're doing very important whatever and i'm not allowed to even know what they're talking about yeah, yeah. and that's kind of how we all mostly operate like so wait how did you guys ruin our lives for the rest of eternity exactly when we weren't watching oh well it's the thing we were doing it's yeah. it's complicated well it's it, it's that it seems to me it almost has this like that polite thing of like I, you know, I'm standing right here, but I'm going to pretend that I'm not, yeah, yeah. you know, here because it's I'm above not my of, pay grade. Not a part of the conversation. It's just polite no, to not no, be nosy. I clean. No, yeah, I, I clean. clean. I'm just cleaning. Yeah, but meanwhile, meanwhile, she actually, you know, there, there's there's the two aspects. You know, Paul Bettany is to, uh, he talks about, you know, his speech is we we 
give people something to strive for and that's why we're important to the economy blah 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 but they're not paying attention to the, it's like you're not cleaning your own toilets <laughs> yeah. she's cleaning the toilet she's doing all the things that you don't want to do the, the you know the the middle class and and those people they're the ones who who make this possible because they're doing all the all the work that you don't have to do so you can sit around staring at screens moving moving numbers around you know and uh, but but she might as well not exist to them because they're more concerned about the numbers and they don't appreciate the fact that she actually and the fact that is, she li- is one of the reasons that and the fact she doesn't appreciate that she's yeah. the reason that they're able to do this and she literally as much as they she literally will not have a job in the morning yeah even though even though she had nothing to do with any of this <laughs> ah doesn't that sound familiar yeah, yeah. so how about oh, yeah did. Yeah, he's yeah, he was he's still talking about money. Yeah, but still, it's like, but I, see, this is where I go. This is, but this 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 company has a guy that'll make you breakfast at four o'clock in the morning. I I, I would like to work there. Yeah, I would like uh, yeah, yeah, I Kirk. Did, yeah, I did kind of want that breakfast. I was like, oh, that <laughs> I was good. like, that's a that's a pretty hot place. But then I I feel that same way when I hear about you know big VFX companies, you know, which I've worked at very rarely, but occasionally it's like, yeah, boy, it sounds those are horrifying places. And of course, you know, they they survive on government benefits and everything else like everybody else but but you can you know you can you can buy you know you can buy a flat screen tv for cheap if you work at sony so, yeah. so you know the, the devil is always there you know dangling the car keys going lee, 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 lee. <laughs> come on you want to dance with me you want to dance with me don't you <laughs> come on come on just for 10 minutes you'll be you'll make a little money come on just come sit in a room for you just come sit in a room get paid a push some pixels around an hours it's like making furniture except not <laughs> but uh you know it's kind of like a real job someone in the chat room was pointing out that yeah i'm glad society didn't really collapse because what the hell am i gonna do yeah exactly we'd all be we'd all be dead <laughs> in the chat was pointing out that this movie just absolutely doesn't work without these actors you need, oh, yeah, you need yeah. these oh, you need great actors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing I would say it doesn't work without is the score. And I think the score is really overwrought and in your face, but you also sort of need that pulse there the whole time with this sort of boom, 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 sort of looming dread sort of thing going on. I, with think, the ti- I think the Titanic analogy is really, is really apt because the, the great thing about aft, this. Yeah. Aft, A-F-T. <laughs> 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 um, very funny. I see what you did there. Is, um is that it it not not once oh my god it, he played with a little lion yeah there you <laughs> go. not once in this movie does, <laughs> I hadn't put that together. not once does anyone in this movie go well we have to stop this or we have to warn people yeah. it's like no the ship is she's sinking yeah. the ship is a sinking if we and warn them a, we won't get like yeah boats. that's a done deal right from the beginning and so well, they it, say can we can we save this no it'll take a month to yeah save no us. We, not we can't even and in that month while we're figuring it out the ship could go down yeah. and yeah. what we're screwed. So it's like, it's like, the, it's the fact that they're taking the next step. It's like, well, the ship is going to sink. Bomb it. This is yeah, exactly, or it's more like, this is like the upper class people going, if we don't tell the lower class, we can all get a lifeboat. Yeah. <laughs> That's if we just, until if they can, we can keep them from figuring it out until we're all safely away, we can all make it. So, so uh, so here we get Demi Moore saying, well, you know, I, I definitely said something about this. And earlier, even, though, even though earlier she's like, I don't think this is right. Yeah. yeah. And Stanley, I'm not Tucci, sure. Stanley Tucci's whole thing is like, that fucking bitch. I told her a year ago uh, and yeah. she didn't do anything. And later she goes, well, you know, I did pass it on, but maybe not with 
sufficient urgency. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it's that check her email. She sent it like an hour ago just for funsies. Yeah. Just uh, like I should probably have that in the history. It. And yeah. it, it's that it's all of that kind of everybody just nobody rational wants to accept. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's all that rationalization and justification that regardless of how good you are at the specific game of pushing these specific numbers around these specific screens and algorithms, you still have the same basic failures of <laughs> cognition that we all have in the sense that, that no, what I did was probably the right thing. And yeah, that's what Rob in the chat room is saying is like the fascinating thing about this movie is that no one in it thinks they're a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's except and, and Paul Bettany. He knows Paul Bettany is, is, is aware that yes, well, he was so sent the, by God. It, yeah, yeah, that's true. But he, but even he has has his line to uh, to mentalist uh, saying like, no, Kevin Spacey and I, we're on the right page in terms of morality. Yeah. Well, even well, yeah, but then Kevin Spacey well, folds. The other thing, right the other, yeah. the other thing right this here. the other thing this movie tells you is that whatever side you were on doesn't decide your fate. It's like you know, it's like who gets who who survives in this company and who's going to get fired is totally politics and expedience. It's like okay, let's see. I need a head to put on a pike. That'll be you. Yeah. And you just you're just you just need to go because you, you who figured it out will keep you. Yeah. Um. You, I know you go, and and so it's it's even within this group. And then once once they've like okay, we've we've cut the rest of the world loose. Now it's time to start eating each other. Yeah. Uh, you and you and you will go, and you will stay, and you will go down, and you will take the bullet. This it actually made me uh, curious with the with the whole thing with uh, Demi Moore, and and basically saying okay, we're throwing you under the bus. We're you get to hug a big. <laughs> case of money yeah, as yeah. you go on your yeah. way down um and uh, in a way as a payoff to not because basically we know you're not the problem but we can't get rid of the people who are really the problem yeah. so you're taking the fall and we're paying you not to tell anybody that yeah. and i almost wonder how many golden parachutes are exactly like that, that. Yeah. because because you know many you always them, many see of them. Yeah. yeah you always see people who are like Okay, if that person fucked up that royally, why are you giving them sixty million dollars to go away? And it's like, well, maybe it's not because <laughs> yeah. they fucked up. To not up. go on Oprah, that's <laughs> yeah, what that sixty million is for. Yeah, you're paying them to take that fall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and again, it's like you go, that's terrible. I would love to be one of those people. Yeah, <laughs> I would happily be a pariah. That's right. I I accidentally set fire to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Sorry. Whoops. Uh, gotta I, go. I guess you'll have to give me a hundred million. I guess, to go away. but I'm just gonna go live on my private island now and and think about what I've done. <laughs> well, uh, suppose what supposedly what uh, is the new trend now uh, is in the wake of the financial crisis, in the wake of these kind of events in this period, is that the people who are now going into Wall Street are doing it with a revised sense of morality, so that. You know, in the past it or was any, maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> who, who thinks that? In in the past it was, you know, you you go to Wall Street, like like Spock says, you know, I was doing something real, but the money was here was better, so I came here and I did that, yeah. right? And I'm doing it because the money's good. Uh, and again, in again on the the Planet Money podcast, they they talked to somebody or somebody maybe somebody's family member who's like, they were at Thanksgiving and they go, oh, what do you do? And they're like, well, I. They're, and they're really embarrassed to say, yeah, I, I work at J.P. Morgan. I work at a big, I work on Wall Street. And, mm. and it's like really humiliating thing to say now. Uh, but the, the idea being that the new crop of people uh, coming in is um, these people who, who are doing it with the sense of like, well, I'm going to make all this money, 
but with the so I can dry my tears with it. No, no, no. With no, with, with <laughs> but I won't be evil. Yeah. With the companion goal of making the world a better place, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pull these levers for a greater good, What's and not just for my own gain. One of the things about the fact that they have Quinto in here as a rocket scientist is uh, in the documentary Inside Job, which is sort of generally about this. Uh, it was also Oscar nominated, I think. Um, one of the things they point out, and that was before, I think that was before this movie came out. I think I don't know, maybe not. Um, that. There are a lot of like physicists and yeah. people who were previously occupied by the Cold War, like they would mm-hmm. have jobs because we were working on weirdo cool weapons that required high tech fucking math. And suddenly it's like, yeah, well, you know, we still need to build planes and shit, but we, we're not really focusing on that as a giant government entity anymore. So a bunch of these incredibly smart people who know forms of math that don't have names uh, are like, I need something to do shit. <laughs> What's a really complex system I can play with in its stead? The economy. And there's a bunch of like old physicists and fucking rocket scientist dudes who are working on that shit. Like Quinto says. Like that's a real thing. Like Quinto says, it's just you're just adding up different numbers, but the adding is the same. It's all just like understand it's being able to look at an algorithm and understanding what that algorithm says. And you would think that, that <laughs> they if they can if we can shoot a, a Tin can to Mars. You'd think we'd yeah. be able to handle this economy. Hey, thing. nuclear powered size of a car. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tin can. Not just any tin can, my friend, but a really big one. <laughs> on the end of a fucking sky crane. Well, yeah, with an sex. arm on it, then it could take pictures. It could take selfies. I don't understand why Tucci comes back for this amazing monologue. Yeah. This is his you rain. Mean, no, 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 no. This oh, is when mean, he comes back. His Rain Man. When he, you mean when he because, literally because comes even, back to the company? Yeah. Because even him, he's like, you know, I the money's too good. I it, yeah. you know, like they said, they're just gonna, they're you know, they're gonna fight you on everything. Just bite the bullet, you know, take the money, and and that's yeah. the that's the better answer. <laughs> and it's like we were talking about. It's like, oh, you're gonna have to bite the bullet and take two million dollars just to come in for one day. Yeah, really. Oh. So how big a bullet are we talking exactly? Yeah. Because yeah. oh. I could, but why didn't they want him out on the street today to talk to Oprah? Oh, okay. Yeah, because he's the one that knows the 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 grenades are going. Yeah. Out. So yeah. they got they're they're gonna bring him in and because they they fired him and basically said you know we're cutting yeah. you off and blah blah. blah. Here's all your so money they, and stuff he, like that. He, and this the, is the extent of our you know the termination of our relationship. At no point, because they didn't know that this was going to happen, at no point did he sign a non-disclosure agreement yeah. or anything. So he could go talk to he anybody. He is the loose cannon. Well, the other thing is, aside from theme, and to say that these people are really vicious when it comes to making money, there's not actually a reason that everyone gets laid off in the beginning of this movie. That's not connected to the rest of it. No. Only, no, it's not. It's, it's only to get Tucci out. That's just an unfortunate yeah, yeah. coincidence. Yeah. It's just bad luck. Yeah. But, you know, not that he could have actually done anything. That's the inciting incident. Yeah. The, the, I mean, ultimately, this mo- the movie may still have happened even if he hadn't gotten fired. Just him having been ousted right at that moment leaves a little bit of tension because you're going, oh, wh- he's the loose. He's the loose thread. Yeah. What's going to happen now? By the way, I was when I watched this movie last night, I was absolutely certain Bettany was going to walk away and then. He was gonna get shot. <laughs> yeah, the, I was like, absolutely. Was just like, I, w- I was waiting for the scene to end because I'm like, let's get it over with. That's how much I knew for a fact. He's gonna be like, you should have come. It's like, he's just, oh, he he wouldn't be talking about this goddamn bridge for so long if they weren't waiting for us to like headshot. Pow. Yeah, it, it 
it feels like it could dip into that movie. It, does. it feels like, like the, the last statement of him just being like a good feel, man. Just like then, it feels like somehow or another at some point, Bettany's jumping off the building. That too. Uh, yeah. That exact yeah. thing too. Totally just, thought that was coming back. Yeah. Or, or maybe, you know, maybe Kirk is going to jump off yeah. the building because ah, I can't deal or whatever it is. But again, this movie yeah. doesn't even give you this. You know, it's like, no, no, I... That's, that's in the end. That, they all take the money. That's Hollywood movie bullshit. I'm making this movie. I only, I only, I'm only spending three and a half million. I don't have to follow your bullshit Hollywood rules. <laughs> I can tell the story I want to. I'm sure it's possible that someone can do this kind of math in their head that quickly. I, yeah, I don't I'm sure if there all. is someone who can, this it is, would be the guy who does his job. Yeah, but still, it's it's still really like right on the edge of. Yeah, come on, Rain Man. He's doing? he's he's doing like new figures in his head right now. He's not just reciting the old figures. He's calculating. Well, yeah. now it's been 21 years, so that would be. Yeah. But the way he does it, it's like that's he. That's his. He does think about it. He, well, and that's can, his. But that's also. Well, yeah, but he thinks thing. about it for like like he's like yeah. so that would be six hundred thousand eight hundred and two. You can tell that's his. <laughs> know, but you nuts. can tell his that's, that's his just, character's yeah. thing. He's he just that guy. That, so, yeah. You know. And mental mental math is. It, well, there you, are some tricks to it. Yeah, it, it's actually not that hard. You don't have to be uh, Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man to do it. It just takes. There are tricks, and you have to practice them, and then. Well, you know, Dustin Hoffman wasn't actually doing that math. He right. was, he was, he was you know what's you know what's weird or <laughs> what's, what's funny? Wake up, people! Yeah. <laughs> uh, is I just finished I just finished uh, Temple Grandin's book last night, Animals in Translation, and Temple Grandin is autistic herself, and then she mentions Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Like, if you know anything about you know autism or idiot savantism, or only anything, like ten percent of autistic people have any savant quality at all. And yeah, and it's. Uh, it's and sometimes not, it it's for shit that never actually manifests yeah, itself. That doesn't get you on TV. They're yeah. really excellent at something that you, you it does, it no, no one else interacts with that piece of them. And it doesn't even really work the way it is portrayed in in uh, in Rain Man. But Temple Grandin is just talking about like, yeah, so you know, have you ever seen Rain Man? It's like that, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, somebody who's actually <laughs> autistic got autism wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, what do you grant, granted, a different well, kind not, of autism. That's not the thing that she's really good at. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was I could have sworn right now and yeah, and, 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 pop, and it's gonna pop, be pop. like and like Tucci pulls out a cigarette and kind of nods to himself and then <laughs> he looks off and he likes he, he with his eyes he says yeah, yeah. you can do it now yeah yeah, yeah. Well, there was that like he glances up at the sniper like yes yeah. I've seen you well, there. there was and that, Bentley yeah. looks back like ah shit and drives away because like, there was, ah, there was that other car it's like yes uh, exactly that thug who's like yeah I'll get it done you yeah. know it's like it's it sets it like the guy in there named Louie. It's like, yeah. but but in and the again, end, in a Hollywood in the, movie, yes, yeah. but not this movie. In the end, he didn't have to rough Tucci up. He just said two million bucks, two million bucks, Fuck, all right, and you and keep your benefits. Yeah. Munch my Tucci. Yeah, I'm yeah. Call every, him everybody now. who has and it's primarily Spacey and Tucci, they have their big like, no, fuck you, this is it, I'm <laughs> done, and then they take the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, you know what? God yeah. damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I love Stanley Tucci so much. <laughs> and he doesn't, big, he doesn't, he doesn't even get Tucci. He, he doesn't, doesn't even to, have any intensity. He doesn't get yeah. to go full Tucci in this one. But uh, I can't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a great spacey <laughs> bit there, though. The little, like, yeah, Swish. Like, he throws yes. the trash into the trash cans. Like one I good did thing. That. One good thing happened. That's today. one down today. <laughs> yeah. One down. Going for two. Yeah, man. I like this where they don't even tell you. How much? You don't even get to see this one. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like, like, okay, let's find out what Spacey will cost. How yeah. about this? And Kirk's like, how much was on the card? How much do you think, <laughs> yeah, how much how do you think, think was, was on, on that card? card? How much do you think was on that card in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> and then both of their wives are like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole like, wow, he just bought that house. I hope he yeah. bought it in cash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, He didn't. Yeah. He did not. 
And there's a thing about the mental math we were talking about a second ago. I, I was interesting to learn, which is there's a I don't know if this has since been debunked or if it's a shitty theory, but it's something that I heard once was one of the reasons that some other countries have better education systems or uh, I think it was Japan or China and math in particular is that it's literally framed differently for them their yeah, whole lives. Yeah. 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 They think about numbers in some other discrete way, like we think of them the way, the way we do. And there's some other way of thinking about it in that language. It's not like a base 8, base 10 thing. It's like a different way of assembling the blocks no, and numbers, well, it's more which like, makes it like fundamentally easier to do that. Well, it's more like, as I recall, in, in their, yeah, the way they think about it because of the way their language is constructed. You know, we say 10, 20, 30, 40, and they literally say four tens. That's that's their word for forty. Right. Basically, they say four ten. So it's easy. It's much easier for them to do three hundreds plus you know three hundreds plus two hundreds plus two tens plus four tens. Oh, okay, that's yeah. five hundreds and six tens. You know, and they can just do it like which that. which is a mental math trick. Yeah. Is, is breaking um, breaking it down in that way, which I've practiced a little bit, and I am I'm better than I used <laughs> to be. I'm certainly no certainly no. Yeah, I'm not, no I haven't gone full Tucci. But yeah, it's if you just kind of round things and then add back in what you rounded. Mm-hmm. But you still you're, you know you round things to tens and then you kind of do that thing like okay four tens but then it was actually it was actually thirty eight so I have you know four twos and then you you know you add those twos back in at the end mm-hmm. it, with a little bit of practice it gets a lot easier. Well, I used way. to do a lot more mental math uh, when like you know writing a tip on a receipt or something until someone told me a trick and like simultaneously thank you and goddamn you because th- this trick is so easy that then it's like shit i never have to do this mental math again and now i'm losing my mental math skills double the tax yeah which yeah. no well oh yeah no actually it wasn't even that that's smart too <laughs> uh, god damn the, it the thing, is, you. the thing is like i i just default tip 20 percent yeah right. because that's easy exactly and it's like if your if your check is 25 50 one tenth of that is two dollars 55 cents right yeah. and then you double and then that you just and double 20. that yeah and that's that's what 20%. i do percent i just i, 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 I do 20 most of the time 10 percent yeah. of the thingy that, make that's that exactly. times two i tip high because i'm lazy yeah exactly <laughs> ultimately it's because of laziness how much is the tax taxes a tax it, around here it's around it's, it, it's it used to be a straight 7.5 yeah. used to be perfect it's, if you double the tax it's huh. up but it's up near uh it's up near 10 now so damn it yeah it's about the same damn it that's that's faster you can that, skip doing the ten percent part. The tax was literally seven point five at one point. And you just right. doubled the tax. You were nailed it. So this, yeah. So there's Paul Bettany summing up the movie. Fuck normal people. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. But I, again, as I like Paul as, Bettany, as and vicious, he's always playing these weirdo religious dudes, and I want to see him just be an actor. Well, he's <laughs> he's got such he's a very shady, not religious and master commander. As well, or, I guess yeah, master commander, but like he's that guy in uh, the Angels and Demons, or the first one, uh, Da Vinci Code. He's that guy in Priest. He's that guy in Legion. And those are the three things that I've seen him in the most. I've seen Master and Commander and this. Uh, so, he was in uh, so far he's uh, he's two. He, was he? The, oh, he was the guy in A Beautiful Mind. Oh, uh, yeah. he he was in that weird Heath Ledger uh, Knight's Tale. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He played uh, huh. Chaucer in in Knight's Tale, as I recall. Spacey, <laughs> Spacey and Quinto. <laughs> So so let's let's take a minute and explain like what uh, his hairstyle is. How <laughs> how he ended up bringing the economy back from the from the edge of the catastrophe. So we talked about how uh, bad home loans, banks all had them. Uh, then the com- they all blew up, so the commercial market shut down, and business itself was starting to shut down. Uh, so the way. 
the way we got things moving again was first of all the the Fed just pumped a shit ton of money into the system, uh, and you called a used a fancy name called quantitative easing. So if you remember that term, all that means is the government printed a bunch of money and gave it to the banks, hoping that the banks would then be more willing to to lend that <laughs> between each other, which they weren't generally. Well, but. They weren't really <laughs> uh, because they still had all these terrible, terrible fucking assets, all these toxic assets on their books. Yeah. So that, they're like, thanks. Yeah. And- but we still have all of this shit on our books and we can't sell it. We're certainly not going to buy anybody else's. We still have it and nobody will buy it and take it away from us. So what the fuck are we going to do? And so ultimately the government itself had to come in and say, okay, we'll buy it. We will buy all these bullshit toxic assets and then we'll sell them back to you. Um, but just to get the market moving again, that's what we'll do. So say one of these things had been bought, you know, it's face value at the beginning, somebody somewhere at the start sold it for a dollar and that was the face value of a dollar. Now we, now everybody knows these things are not worth nearly the dollar that they were at the beginning. The dollar was bullshit. And now it's worth some pennies on that dollar. The problem is nobody knows how many pennies, whether it's 40 pennies or five or two pennies on the dollar, two cents on the dollar. And so nobody's going to sell something to you if you don't know what the actual price is. But that's what a market exists to do is to find the price of what two people are willing to agree uh, certain uh, prices is, something's price is. Uh, so the so gov- doesn't that mean the price was zero ultimately when when nobody wanted to agree on it? Well, not 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 actually not at the bottom because remember at the bottom in these boxes are mortgages that some people are paying. Okay, so, so there money is, is coming a value in somewhere. There yeah. is a value somewhere, okay. but the the housing bubble collapsed, and so not only the people with shitty home loans at this once the bubble fully burst, not only the people with shitty home loans who foreclosed and defaulted blew up, but the people who live next door to those people who could make their home loans. Now they're underwater, which all that means is their house is worth less than they owe on it. Right. So they borrowed, say they bought a house for $200,000 and they took out a home loan for $200,000. The housing market collapses and all of a sudden, because they're the only house left on that block, their house is now worth $100,000 and they owe $200,000. And that's a shitty place to be, even though they may have had the income and it was perfectly responsible for them to take that loan in the first place. Uh, So all of those things now also exist in these little black boxes. Um, so there is money coming in. Some people are still paying their mortgages, but not nearly <laughs> suckers. As, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, that was part of the problem. Uh, but not nearly as many as the full value of that thing at this beginning. But nobody knows exactly how much because okay. they're so complicated. Gotcha. Uh, so the government says, "Okay, we'll buy them. We're not going to fucking buy them at a dollar because that's just stupid, and <laughs> even we're not that dumb. Uh, but we'll buy them at." And I forget what the exact number was, but say it was, you know, 40 cents on the dollar. We'll buy them at 40 cents and then we will start selling them back to you as at an auction. So say, okay, you can buy this one. Do I hear five cents? Do I hear 10 cents? Do I hear 12 cents? Uh, And then they slowly started getting rid of them that way and started putting them back into the market. Let me interrupt real quick. Yeah. Do any of you guys shave this fast? I would never in my life shave that fast. uh, Well, if you were already (laughs) clean shaven and it was just a touch up the next day, that's okay. Yeah, because for me, like all the hair on my face, I can shave my face that fast because it's all going the same direction. But then my neck has like nine cowlicks. No, he was clean shaven. uh, You know, he was clean shaven in the last. Yeah, because this is take five. Yeah. Yeah. So he's (laughs) no, but but the character just wants wants to look good to destroy the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uninterrupted. This is also one of my my favorite moments in a sense. He's like, this is all I ever want to do in my life. And And like the only look he ever gives him is like, are you serious? Yeah. Like the interesting. The entire previous movie or the. Up to this point in the movie, everybody else has been talking about how the mentalist is just this really vicious asshole. <laughs> and even, even he goes like, 
Are you shitting me? Really? I think I think all you ever wanted to do was like bet you, futures. You, the, had, you had some idealism about the way this? I the way I read it is is he just kind of goes, oh, that's like the kids go throw me a bone, please, you know, come on, I'm oh. just I'm just caught up, and he's like, yeah, anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, but no, yeah. I, I took it as like this kid was like this this was my dream, and the guy's like, what you didn't just sell out? Yeah. The, po- the point <laughs> yeah. of being here is because you sold out. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't think you get why you this actually is. wanted to do this. No? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Why does this make any sense? This isn't even a thing. This yeah. is. <laughs> this is. Don't you realize how awful this really is? Yeah. Like I do, but I'm paid really well to do the awful thing. Um, okay, so the so the government bought all these toxic assets and then sold them back at an auction, and then people, you know, as they got a sense of what they were actually worth, uh, bought them. So the government lost some amount of money, but not as much as. We were quite afraid uh, that we might lose, and it was a sort of a no strings attached thing, as Rob in the chat points out. What's one that? of the one of the other things people were pissed at about the bailout is that okay, the banks had our money, spent our money unwisely, and lost our money. The government used largely taxpayer money to pay that back to the banks, yeah. yes, who did not then just pay us back, right? As opposed to like another way this could have gone theoretically and not really, but another way of thinking of it is it could have been the government paid back all the Americans and let the banks go away. But then we don't have banks, and that doesn't work. Yeah, that's yes. the that's the concept of too big to fail. It's yeah. like we we can't let them all go down. And we, then the banks got the money, and then most people didn't. But get yeah, anywhere was, near or any the, of what it they didn't, had. It didn't come it. with any kind of and don't do it again attached yeah, yeah, to it. Exactly. So, it didn't even it didn't even come with interest attached yeah. to it. And and the studies have shown, like in the years since, it's like yeah, they were, yeah the economy's rebounded. Yeah, but only the banks. Only, only for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The, you know the, the the middle class is still just as dead as ever. Yeah. Uh, and and that was. That was the source of a lot of uh, anger and frustration was that, you know, like, well, we, we're bailing out the banks. We're giving all this money to the banks, but we're not giving any. And, and we gave a little bit to the people whose whose loans, whose homes and their home values completely detonated and completely exploded. Because, like I said, some people had loans that they shouldn't have had. But a lot of people just lived next to those people yeah. or were in the same little black box as those people. And they got fucked, too, when they didn't do anything wrong. And so... One of the things the Obama administration did with, you know, mixed success was, you know, that um, like loan renegotiation program where they basically said, okay, if if this is your primary home and if you're current on your mortgage up to this point, then you can and we will make the bank, you know, change the deal. So your so things aren't as terrible for you. Mm -hmm. So we will make the bank work with you to make it something that you can deal with. but the, the problem there was the fact that you have to distinguish all these people who have these homes to try to find, okay, who, who actually had a responsible loan, uh, who was actually bought the home to live in it versus all these people who bought these homes just as an investment because housing prices yeah. were always going up. So they just had money. That how many, how many flip this house shows were on the air at the time? Exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, and one of, the, one of the very cool things, it's a, it's a series of episodes, but it's in, for the Planet Money podcast, but it's really awesome is they actually go out and they buy a toxic asset <laughs> and they proceed and this is you know over several episodes but they proceed to track down actual homeowners in their toxic asset mm. and it takes a, mm. it takes investigative journalism work to do it but they do it and they and they find a guy they they find several people they they find you know speculators who bought houses as investment but they also find this guy he's an older guy who had bought a second home and you know he was going to fix it up and but he was, you know, just like a normal guy. He wasn't a banker or a speculator. And he had stopped paying his mortgage. And it was this direct thing of like, okay, we own this toxic asset now. So you're not paying your mortgage. You got, you got screwed by this financial crisis like everybody else. 
but now you should be paying us mm. and so let's figure out it's it's interesting to hear them like talk about their perspectives as they change and go yeah it's kind of the you know this they're journalists and they're economists so you know they have journalism neutrality but they there is a sense of that populist anger of you know yeah the banks the banks screwed us and got off free for it but then they buy the toxic asset and they you know they find this guy and they talk to him and they're like there is a little bit of a perspective change in the sense of like but you're you're not paying your mortgage but that's that's our money now yeah. like you're not you're you're not just paying some random other some abstract other you're not paying us mm-hmm. now and it's it's the way they're able to connect those you know all these like abstract disconnected disconnected entities and and find like the through line um is is very good so i highly recommend it at least like select episodes of that podcast um okay so what's happening here now is this i understood this i understood perfectly (laughs) this is like we got the grenade in our hands and we've got to sell it to somebody else before they realize (laughs) that we're selling them a grenade exactly this is where this is including including your mother if she'll buy it this is where kevin spacey goes okay so we're gonna kill all the jews here's how we're gonna do that now if anyone's not on board with that you can leave now um but don't talk to anybody (laughs) but if you don't everyone gets a million dollars so who's in okay there we go it's just it's yeah it's just one of those crazy things it's it's where literally it's like okay now and now all y'all are in this too like because you're all getting a million dollars if you do it and you get squat if you don't so your call yeah let your morality let you guide you on this this one this is happening either way yeah do you want the money you could go home now and you'll have nothing or you can be part of it you can help us detonate the economy and uh, each get a million dollars. So maybe even two million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, all, uh, up to almost three. Really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because so. it's like one point. It starts at 1.4 and 1.3. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, even we're doing it. Like, yeah, they each get almost three million dollars. Yeah. Like, we're all doing the math in our heads. Like, yeah, yeah I would yeah. I would destroy the world for Paid that. Pay close sure, attention to those numbers. It, it's yeah. not yeah. even I would destroy the world. It's like, well, I, the world is going to blow up anyway. Yeah, I might so as well get me three million dollars. Yeah. And that's what's wrong with all of us right there in a nutshell. Like, the bomb is going to go off, yeah. and they're going to pay me to nudge it. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, to kick it over to the other guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if it's going off anyway. Exactly. It's going off anyway, or we're all going <laughs> to take it in the face. Might as well get yeah, some money for it. Yeah, then, you know, go for yourself, I guess. Yeah. You know, As Jeremy Irons is not panicking if you're the first one out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, okay. So they're all like, yep, well, all right then. Here we go. Yeah, and I'll just casually, well, okay. All right. That's what we're doing today. Oh, sad Kirk is sad. He doesn't, he doesn't like to lose. Yeah. guess I'll skip the donut this morning. I got to get to it. Dude, look at them eyebrows. Yeah. 93% sounds kind of high, though. I will say, he's like, you got to get a 93% sales rating. I'm like, Well, yeah, they don't want to pay you if you're not going to at least mostly help. Yeah. Well, well yeah, no, they don't want to pay you at all, so they're gonna. But you know, they're they're paying they're paying for the opportunity to be almost completely in the clear. Yeah. So that's why ninety three percent. I know, but yeah. It's you, you, your point is it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, like I hear that number and I'm like, well, I'm I might yeah. as well go home because that's not gonna happen. I, I can't I can't get ninety three percent on anything. Well, bear in mind at that point, every, that's why he he points out the first like eighty minutes are gonna be really important is because. No one in the world knows that that's what is going on. So you've got to try to get as many of those sales like right off the bat as possible. It's possible you could get, you know, 70 or 80% of your sales because everyone else thinks it's just another day and they're actually having a good morning until. Yeah. 
Until and he says, you know, until like ten thirty. Until yeah, when the word starts to spread, and they're like, um, <laughs> no, just jumping, jumping aside, like uh, just again to point out the the interesting filmmaking is this entire thing, what the movie has been building to, is all accomplished with voiceover and stock footage. Yeah, there's no actual scene of it happening. Yeah, which is you know again just brilliant economizing <laughs> the filmmaking. It's like okay, and then they sold all the stuff. That's we don't need to see that part. We just you know that so that happened, and then we move on because that's. You know, that's not what the movie's really about. It's not the process of what they did. It's about the buildup and the payoff of it. Is this stock footage? Yeah, pretty much. It I looks, mean, I mean, it looks, obviously, it's, <coughs> it's just like, you know, yeah, editorial see, it's just, inserts. See, it's just people. But know. I wonder if this is literally Maybe, footage well, that they got. Well, whether, from, whether or not it's stock footage, is, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. second unit B-roll, if yeah. nothing else. It's you just know. they. There's not a single lead actor in any of it. Yeah. You shot this all without Kevin Spacey or Jeremy Irons or anybody. Yeah. And so now you see, okay, just by the. The word, you know, by the dialogue, you can tell it's like the other guy on the other end of the line knows. Yeah. It's and like, now his only hope is to offer them this this deal so good that so the guy good, the can't like, resist. Mm, they can't possibly be doing this, so yeah. I'll I'll jump in. Well, it's it's once again it's it's where what is your number? You yeah. know, it's it's the point What's your when, price. The yeah. point when the money is so good that you can't yeah. even when you know it's the wrong. And thing they're to all do. every every one of them is looking at their screen with their algorithm like well the risk if he's selling at 63 the risk and it lines up like this because their algorithm is telling them what the point is and they're yeah. like well i can't say no it's 63 it's too good to pass up so you know. yeah there he's still sad about the dog this movie was entirely paid for by the necktie lobby <laughs> a lot of neckties in this movie it is but it is interesting to an extent that that spacey thought Spacey thought he was going to be fired. Like to an extent, yeah. he, he his, only his, did it because his, he thought it his was penalty his is he he doesn't get fired. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> his that's his hell. Is you don't even you you have to stay. <laughs> Brian, in the beginning of the episode, you said you thought that this whole process will ultimately be more culturally significant than nine eleven was. Yes. Why is that? Uh, because <sighs> it's not that I don't think this is culturally significant, but nine eleven is a tall order. Because I think I think the ramifications of how we all live our lives in the shape of the world are actually grander and and larger. Um, this it 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 really is like again, depending on how you look at it, and how you count on it, how you count it. It was a correction seventy years in the making. You know, we at the deeper level of this crisis, at the more fundamental level, it was the fact that people were borrowing more money than they should have borrowed. They were borrowing more money than they sh- were able to pay back. And that is as much true for us, the you know random Joe American, as it is for the banks themselves. Um, and that's the point of the Paul Bettany speech. And so it's that, it, it, it's that correction. And it goes back to what I was saying. I think you were actually uh, in the kitchen. But uh, this this French economist just released this book that just said, yeah, so... For the past, you know, 70 years or so, since the, the Great Depression and the end of World War II, uh, it's been more profitable to spend your money actually going out and doing things and building a middle class than it has been to just kind of keep passing it uh, along to the people who will inherit it from you. Uh, so historically, through most of human history, wealth has just stayed within the group of people who pass it along to their children and their children's children. And that the last 70 years or so have been an aberration for not being that. And his... His theory that he's putting forth is that that has now come to an end and we're going back to the old way and there's really nothing we can do about that. Uh, And so if this is the capstone of that prior era, 
the era that our parents lived in and the era that we grew up in and now that we're adults we're in this new era um then that's those are the forces that are going to shape potentially the rest the of the our next lives. few generations the next yeah. few generations yeah Heads uh, on or spikes. Not. Heads on heads spikes. on spikes. Heads on spikes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you can see it in a lot of little ways. Like I see it in the entertainment industry. Is the entertainment industry is mo- no one's going to be a millionaire in entertainment. Everyone's going to have their YouTube channel and make ten thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, because everything is getting so distributed that way. So, you know, that the the networks are going away and big movies are going away and all. You know, it's all it's all this. You know, everyone gets their own YouTube channel now, and if you're one of the better ones, you can get. A thousand people to watch you and you can make your rent every month. But that's that's the entertainment industry now. So so it's all, you know, the big money is, again, if you don't have the big money, you'll never get it. You know, you're, yeah. if you're not born exactly. in the aristocracy, there's no way there's no path to it. Anymore. There's no way to get there. Yeah. So so it's you know, that's that's the you know. And if you think the about American that, dream is, you know, we woke up. That's the, the, yeah. the music is over. The music has stopped and it's done. So, yeah. And if you think about how central that idea of, you know, well, if you were. You go out and you work hard and you're smart uh, and you, you know, you can start a business or you can make an invention or whatever. That is the fundamental core American idea, the American dream, the American promise that you can cross over. And maybe that was true in in the 60s and the 50s, Um, but it may not be true anymore. I learned a funny like related uh, etymological fact a little while ago that's sort of along the same lines which is you always hear the phrase pull yourself up by your bootstraps associated with that word you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and that actual phrase it's gotten now it means what it means because language is descriptive but it was prescribed to mean a thing you cannot do (laughs) (laughs) that phrase was coined to explain a situation that is impossible you yeah. cannot pull yourself up by the straps on your boot. But it, we're Americans. You are you. you we're can't Americans, and we said, "By God, we can do that." Right. We but can. it got it got re, it got sort of you know reformed, and now it's used to mean something that you you can do it. Pull yourself well, up by your bootstraps. It's like that was literally written yeah. to be a thing that means you can't do yeah. that. And the funny thing is, when when people use that term, they're referring they're they're almost unequivocally referring to a situation where somebody did not do that. Somebody else pulled them up, yeah. and we just aren't aren't looking at it that now, way. Jeremy Irons in this in this scene is kind of touching on this kind of idea. He goes, "Yeah, I know. Look, you f- yeah, I know you think that we're evil people, but really, what's the alternative? We're keep we're we're the, we're the alternative is total anarchy. You know, it's like we're at least making it possible for there to be an economy by what we're doing. It's like if we, it's like we you know the little people they're still alive. They're not killing each other for food. That's 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 what we're here for. Yeah. And well, what he's saying is that it's. The, the forces at work are not well he's seeing yeah. he's seeing a false dichotomy he's seeing yeah. there's either us as this is or there's no banks <laughs> but he's pointing out as he points out he, he lists every you know every financial recession crisis. and financial yeah. crisis that there's been he goes this is look you know this is just this one this we didn't invent this this is it's just time for this to happen and the, and there is a there's a book that I haven't read yet but they on the planet money podcast they referenced several times and I can't remember the exact name but it's a book about it's like I think the title is something like "We Never Could Have Predicted This" or something, and it's a history of financial crises. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And it, it's basically that line. How do you it's not Jeremy Irons' it? crisis. It's like, okay, so let's look at the 1737 financial crisis. People borrowed too much, and then now look <laughs> at this one. People borrowed too much, and they said, "Oh, how can we see this coming?" And he just, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's he goes through every single one. Something, something, studying history, repeating it, something, something like that. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, they're uh, standing in front of bodors with penises on them. <laughs> There's just those things back there. It's like a rowboat oar with a weird wooden dildo on top. I don't know what those things are. 
than whatever you it's want. It's 1%, man. It's a whole different world up there. Dude, they got boat oars with dicks and... Oh. That's so, that's the dick room. Yeah, oh, yeah. The exec- <laughs> that, only the one person. That's the executive percent. dick room. <laughs> <laughs> and Zachary Quinto is now has access to the executive dick room. Yeah, that was kind of a weird moment with him and Spacey. Spacey, like, kind of giving him the stink eyes he left. Yeah. You get the impression. It's like, but wait, what? <laughs> yeah, what did I even do? Yeah. And then there's this. I, I, I just I just warned you. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do this. I yeah. It's like I just I figured it out. That's you know, and you're mad at me. I I this little coda is. I think this is this is the make or break for for a lot of people on this movie. Is like wait what? Because it just it just ends here with this little seemingly kind of almost it feels kind of like a non sequitur unless you kind of unwind it a little bit. And uh, you know like for those of you who saw Mary McDonough's you know name in the credits and like where the hell was she oh there she is finally yeah. you know okay I didn't, the first time I watched it I didn't even realize it was her yeah. it wasn't until yesterday rewatching, going that's where she is in the that's, movie. It's, it's her alright in the chat someone else pointed out one of the other thematic notes of this scene that I didn't I didn't catch was uh, we, we learned the fact that he's been kicked out of his house yeah, well, uh, I, like, and and that as a thematic point. Well, I and I read that that you know this the thing at the end is Kevin Spacey's. I mean, Kevin Spacey has a has a key moment, a nice little underplayed moment. It's that little scene where he and and Quinto are having the conversation on uh, on the street just before they go in to to kill the world about his son. About his son, where he he he, yeah. he, he realizes he didn't even think about his son yet. Yeah. Um. And so this is a, you know Kevin Spacey is this guy who's like I've been with this firm thirty four years. It cost him his entire humanity. He lost his wife. He's just, you know, he's like he doesn't even think about his son. And that was the one thing he had was this dog that's now dead. Yeah. And you know, he's he's a guy who you know he's lived his whole life in this world and has nothing other than money to show for it. Yeah. Um. So and, and yeah, and that connects back to the idea of like money is this abstract concept, and then it's when, when and if and how do you connect it to anything with any reality to it? Yeah. You know, Tucci's Tucci's monologue is about you know connecting that to you know the yeah. hours saved and spacey has the line you know like well if i were a ditch digger at least i'd have the ditches to show for it well, and yeah he he's played this game with all this abstract money but he doesn't have anything real to show for it a home a wife uh, a family i also i also looked at the life tucci's monologue a little bit as just looking at how the little things like build up to this massive yeah, you know, thing yeah. because that's yeah. also what's going the multiplication on multiplication of it. Yeah. yeah, it's like it doesn't seem like much. You're saving twenty minutes a day, but when you have hundreds of thousands of people over hundreds of thousands of days over two you know, decades, yeah, yeah, you're saving a thousand, fifteen hundred, you know, fifteen hundred years of life. And that's 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 a that's a great point because that's also a very real central idea, and that that goes right into you know when he's selling it and they're arguing like, oh, you know, sixty five cents, sixty four and a half. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's, that's literally half a penny, but times yeah. millions of shares, yeah. thousands of mortgages, you know, and adding up to millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, and the loss is what and adds, the loss. Yeah, adds exactly. up in that way, yeah. I wonder if she really called the cops. <laughs> that's just something <laughs> you say not. so they go away. Yeah, exactly. No, that doesn't work in Kevin Spacey, though. <laughs> I've, tri- I've tried, yeah, he- dude. I have tried. <laughs> He's still out there. He, he will finish that hole no matter yeah. what. Is you didn't Kevin see him walking in here? He's out there right yeah. now putting a dog in my parking lot. Uh, yeah. Is Kevin Spacey one of the people that knew where you used to live? Probably. <laughs> yeah. He's out there somewhere. It's fucking Sam Jackson's Just fault. knocking on your Kevin door. Anyway, knows uh, everything. so margin call, cool, like high five movie, <laughs> I'm glad you exist. Uh, I, I, 
I can't say that it feels like much of a missed opportunity, except to say that this is this is the movie where there should have been a scene that fully explains it as simply as possible, just to sort of crack the code a little bit for a layman. But ultimately, there are some problems that are too complex to ever do that with, and this might be one of them. So I don't really hold that against it. Uh, my only sort of problems with it are some of the weird ham-fisted bits, but there's not very many of them. And on the whole, this is such an improbable movie anyway that it's easy to overlook it. So margin call, high five. Let's do Dorkman, then Trey, and Brian, you can have the last word. <laughs> All right. Dorkman? Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought it, uh, like I said at the beginning, I think it's a well-made movie. I like that we did it as an opportunity to, to uh, <laughs> talk know, about get economics into it and talk into, get into economics and stuff like that. Um, my main my main takeaway from this um because because Trey related them it's like well now I want to see all is lost <laughs> now <laughs> yeah. I want to see the biggest guy yeah. the movie for sure so I'll uh, probably check that out and conspiracy uh, helicopter double yeah. for Mr. Yeah. Irons how do you get that <laughs> job <laughs> nepotism <laughs> but, yeah. yeah you have to be rich already you got to be born into it man yeah you're already born to the um, helicopter dynasty but yeah that's pretty much all I got to say on it Trey Stokes I yeah again I I just applaud this movie I mean not just the fact that I I enjoyed it and found it fascinating and and was fascinated by the fact that I found it fascinating um, which always is a nice (laughs) surprise like wow I really shouldn't be liking this movie and yet I'm finding it totally engaging I I think it's a it says a lot about the the skill of the the writer director again Mr. JC Chandor salute high five um, and that's why I was so eager to to see all his loss. I was like, oh wow, you know, and he's tackled another thing that you know doesn't sound like it should even be a movie. And I thought all his loss was great too, even though I totally get why not everyone loved all his lost either. But I thought it was fantastic. Um, I I just I love the fact that uh, he was able to the take Jeremy this. Irons Visa Miracle Team. <laughs> the what? Yeah. Wow. What yep. the hell is that? Probably, well, I would imagine it has something to do with getting him into the country to be able to do the movie. Oh, oh I see. There's a whole thing about, visas. yeah, a whole thing about, you know, t- English tax laws and everything else and huh. work, work visas and everything else. Miracle team. Exactly. And that was a huge group of Look how long a list that was of people <laughs> who had to, like, figure out how to get Jeremy Irons in to do his scenes. So, um, that's, Sorry. that's the kind of thing when you have a low-budget movie, you can kind of go, yeah, we're good. We we thank the people who do all that. So I I just I'm I'm again I'm I'm glad the movie exists too. I enjoyed not just because of in the abstract, but in the specific sense because I, I enjoyed the movie. But uh, even if I didn't enjoy the movie, I would say also I I the producers wish to thank Joseph Gordon Levitt. Did you see that? Answer bank. No, but like, in the middle of the middle column, the producers wish to thank Eric Dale, <laughs> Congressman <laughs> Anthony Weiner, yeah, Jennifer Connelly for letting her husband Spielberg you know, skip Abrams. Abrams. No, but in the Carla Gugino. Yeah, good for her. What the fuck? All right, anyway. But in the special thanks, Eric Dale. Wasn't that Tucci's name in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Sean Red camera. I'm sure Eric Dale wasn't a real person, and they're thanking him for helping explain it's the situation. Common, I'm sure yeah. they just took someone they knew and said, yeah, we'll make his character your name. That'll be fun. But yeah, still. thanks for letting us do Could that. Be, yeah, thanks for thanks for not suing us when we found out you were a real person. So, so I, yeah, I guess I, I think it's a great movie. And I, I at, the great news is at three and a half million... You don't have to be all things to all people. You don't have to be yeah. the Avengers. You can be this and be a you know perfectly viable, successful movie, which you know there's so few of anymore, um, which ties into the movie we've been talking about. <laughs> so, because the whole system is rigged to all we can do is make Marvel movies from now on in the movie industry. Um, these things are now aberrations. These little these little small movies that used to be all the movies were these, and the you know the robot movies were the aberrations. But now all we get is robots punching. And uh, and we have to wait a year for these movies to come out. Brian, so I'm, I'm glad we still have them. 
Margin call. Yeah, so if it wasn't already obvious, I basically wanted to do this to, as an excuse <laughs> to give people a lesson in economics. So I hope I hope that worked. I hope if you have, have no a, idea. Go ahead and put a head on a pike, somebody. Go on. If you were just like, if you were pissed, but you didn't know why, if you didn't know like what the, the mechanisms actually at work were, I hope this was in some way helpful and entertaining. Um, it's certainly because, you know, certainly my understanding has doubled and tripled and quadrupled probably. Uh, from listening to this one podcast uh and it's it's it it's stupid to say it this way but it's important these are the levers at work that determine in real you know concrete ways how how our lives go uh, our lives were very distinctly one way because the credit uh the credit environment was one way as we were growing up and our lives are different now because the credit environment is something else uh, so these forces do have a real, uh, real concrete effect on our lives. Uh, and it's not, it's not rocket science and even rocket science isn't rocket science. It's not, you know, we, we kind of have this cultural, um, assumption that unless you're already, you know, inclined towards, towards it, you'll, you'll never be able to penetrate, you know, the jargon and, and the concepts. And it's not true. It's, it's at, at, at its core, these are people doing things that people understand and really none of them are any smarter than any of the rest of us or smarter than you it's just <laughs> sitting down and figuring it out so i think it's worth figuring out i think it's worth knowing and that's why i wanted to do this so i hope that helps cool uh, yeah this has been what are you doing movie you can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com subscribe to us on itunes get a brand new episode every single week twitter.com slash friends in your head facebook friends in your head friends in your head at gmail.com Involve yourself in the conversation, get on the forum, register, it's a great community of people, and it's growing every single day. Buy our shirts, give us money, Holden Hill Design and maintain the website, and until next time, my name is T. Christie. Brian Pinnifer. Nice Stokes. And this has been What Are You Doing Movie? Thank you much for listening. Good night, good night. I should have said Eric Dale. Eric Dale. <laughs> the Margin Chronicles. 375 years. I feel curated as shit. <laughs> they See, don't they that's, never a movie, that's a movie that's fucking worth the word. They never curation. even explain what Margin Call means. Oh, a margin call is basically when they're talking about, uh, you know, the prices, you know, the things going down by 12 or 15%. When you make a margin call, you're saying, well, it's 14, it's 15. Do we sell when it's 14 or is it 15? Oh, you're making the call on whether on, or not that yeah. margin is acceptable. The margin is yeah, acceptable. exactly. Yeah. Well, I wish the movie had said that. Trendsinyourhead.com.